What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. KKSM Oceanside. Hey, man, you got any pains or beans or anything like that? AM 1320, The Radio Revolution. Parental discretion is advised. Because the place is here and the time is now. I have two words for you, predator drones. You will never see it coming. I think I'm joking. Drones are being used in drone strikes, and I support that entirely and feel the president was right. There's a reason why we shouldn't be using drones. It's because we don't just take out the target. We take out a lot of innocent civilians in these countries where these drones attack. But this is basically blowing up in our faces. We've seen the blowback all across the Middle East. What if our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests? I hate categories. Categories are okay if you're going to the grocery store. But for me, the categories screwed a lot of people up. We'll make everything metal. Blacker than the blackest black times infinity. Free Thought Radio, San Diego's source for heavy metal and other genres that are ignored by mainstream radio. San Diego's only libertarian talk show in a conservative-dominated market. More hard-hitting journalism than even the professionals themselves. Free Thought Radio, free speech, free expression, and free snow call. Only on KKSM Oceanside, AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. Podcast airing on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. As it applies to you and me, our country isn't free. Welcome everybody to another episode of Free Thought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org, live every Monday from 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on KKSM, the Radio Revolution which is AM 1320 and Cox Cable Channel 957. Uh, also podcasting at the Liberty Radio Network, which is LRN.FM. Uh, and, uh, of course, on iTunes, just search for Free Thought and look for Free Thought AAC. You can see all previous episodes there, um, great guests and everything like that. But did you guys hear? Um, the Fed is printing some new money, and it's on their best paper yet. They've got, like... 3D ink for, you know, verification just to make sure. It's just going to make it so much more valuable. You know, uh, uh, they're, they're busting out their highest quality paper and printing it like crazy. Um, well, of, of course, I'm being just a little bit sarcastic. So I want to, uh, my, my guest tonight is kind of going to refute that and say, well, wh- why exactly is... Um, is the uh, is the Fed uh, not valuable? Uh, and no matter what kind of fancy schmancy paper they print their money on, it's still going to be worthless. Um, so my next guest not only thinks that the Federal Reserve note is completely worthless, but he went out of his way to make an animated fictional feature film uh, that is uh, 
came out pretty recently. Um, he, he made an animated feature film about the Federal Reserve. And this is uh, done live at Libertopia 2013, which happened a few weeks ago. Hey, everybody. I'm joined now by Pasha Roberts, the director of the Silver Circle movie. It aired here the other day. We're at Libertopia 2013 here in San Diego, California. Pasha, welcome again to the program. Awesome to be here, man. Thanks. No problem. We're here kind of in heavy metalville. I got, like, amps and guitars around here. I know. I should be rocking the guitar here. <laughs> yeah. Dude, dude, some chugs every time I ask you a question. <laughs> but uh, what was the re- uh, reception to the Silver Circle movie here? Anybody that hasn't seen it so far um, uh, here on the West Coast, have you, have you ever played it on the West Coast? And uh, have you ever been to the West Coast for uh, promoting Liberty? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we played it and when, on our theater run this spring. We did a bunch of runs, and uh, we were in L.A. for a week, and um, Seattle, and... Um, some other places in Washington, that kind of stuff. But uh, cool. but it was fun here. Um, it was a really good crowd. Uh, it was full full house, people ooing and aahing and yeah. <laughs> you know, and a lot of applause. So that's that's yeah. I'm psyched about that. It's always nice to get it in front of people. But and they like the music. It was, yeah. uh, it was nice. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's always good to uh, get some of the, those good bands in there in front of everybody too. Yeah. Talk about uh, you recently released the music video for the the Sons of Liberty uh, song. Um, I forget is it Spirit Spirit of the Times. Spirit of the Times. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love seeing an animated John Schaefer. What, what was it like to make a music video animated? It was fun. I mean, um, basically, I mean, John's a great guy. Yeah. He's just uh, easy to get along with, and uh, you, you know, and uh, um, you know, he, he just he just does not doesn't have a full ego, yeah. uh, at least at least with me. So, yeah. um, but he's a uh, you know, it's uh, he came into the studio. You know, we got a guitar for him, and we just kind of played through a bunch of things uh, while the music was going uh, in our green screen studio, and just filmed him kind of doing the motion. And uh, we photographed him and built like this 3D model of John. Awesome. So we have a little play model of John, um, John action figure or something like that. He should have been in the bloopers. <laughs> I know. Well, we didn't want. Yeah, we didn't want to mess with him too much. But, uh, um, but yeah, and. Uh, yeah, and he, since he has his ponytail, he actually has an animated ponytail, so he can make his ponytail wiggle wherever he wants Sweet. or go up like a viper or whatever. <laughs> so we probably could have had some fun with that. Yeah. But, uh, but we could have played, out, you know, played him out with the song, you know, so he did some guitar, some without, some sitting on the steps, mm-hmm. and then um, animated that. And our idea with the music video is that it'd be kind of like, was it Jiminy Cricket, where it just yeah. shows up at different places in the movie? Yeah. So we just play the movie, but then redo it with him in the scene. So, like, if there's a car chase he's like standing in the middle of a lane of traffic or something awesome and so uh we just kind of pop him all over the movie and there he is it's fun so um so he's good sport about it you know and he's he's certainly not used to seeing himself as an animated character yeah. so it, it's it's a whole nother look yeah I, w- I would love to see like his face uh, minted on a silver or something like that yeah i mean we've been talking about some silver round stuff i mean you know because they're they're i don't know but uh, it'd be that'd be to great to pass out at like iced earth shows like sell uh, iced earth silver and and you know that'd be a great way to spread the message of liberty to metal crowd yeah and get them get metal heads yeah. into metal you yeah. know um, i mean a lot of a lot of metalists don't know what silver looks like you know it's it's the real thing and um it's heavy and it's um heavy metal yeah. you know <laughs> but it, it's also monetary protection and it's smart yeah. so uh, but uh, yeah I mean he probably could do it John he'd be very honored I imagine <laughs> to see that um, yeah. but uh, you know or just an Eister thing something yeah. like that but you know would you think fans would puck up you know uh, I would $30 <laughs> for it or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah so 
So that'd be cool. But uh, but no, I think it's important people just start to kind of make the connections. And yeah. you know, I mean, just getting silver is definitely a fight against the man. Where oh, yeah. you know the dollar the dollar fails, you're going to hold on with that, and it's it's a vote against the dollar, and that's that's an important thing exactly. to do right now. Let's talk about how that ties into war, because right now, I mean, we went to war with uh, Gaddafi because of the gold dinar thing. Right. Ever since I, I mean, the whole reason for the Bretton Woods thing is that we, people were realizing that we were printing money like crazy to pay for Vietnam, that we didn't actually have what we said we had. Uh, so we just struck this deal with Texas Saudi oil and the military uh, in order to price it in the dollar and maintain it as a world currency. Um, how, how, the war, or Syria is one of the, also the one of the last uh, countries for that uh, central bank tied to the, the IMF or the, or the central banks of the, of the West. Um, how, how, what's the relevance of, of silver into this? And, and if they could go after somebody like Gaddafi who out of the state, what does that say about what they can do to us when it comes to time for the you know, uh, gold confiscation uh, again? Like when it comes, you know, now the police militarization down the doors and right. And basically, we. Um, we started the movie. Nobody had. It's, well, I mean, gold. It was illegal for people like us to own gold uh, until 1974, which I was alive on. Um, so, and when I was a kid, I, I couldn't hold old gold on gold. I would have been arrested. Um, and most people don't realize that. You know, it's just in my, at least my lifetime. You know, that this, it, this, it's, it's real. Victimless crime. Yeah, victimless crime. But you know, just holding a piece of metal in your hand could put you in jail. Yeah. And you know, in our movie, we make that illegal again. And have people being sent to jail for that. And since we since we started the movie, um, you know Bernard Nonhouse, you know, went to jail uh, or got sentenced for doing the same thing. He's facing like 22 years in prison for making money out of metal. It's completely ridiculous. Um, so, uh, so you know, to your question, I mean, it's it's. What was your? It, 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 uh, they're tied into to, to, to war. Yeah. I mean, on a larger scale than that, I mean, countries that really try to escape from that, uh, that orbit, I mean, there's definitely a gold angle with the gold dinar, with Iraq, with the Euro. Um, with the Euro. Anybody who tries to leave that cycle is really um, going to come under fire. They take it very, very seriously. Yeah. It, it's, it's the most threatening thing you can do. Um, that's why the rebels in the movie are, you know, they make silver. That is the worst thing you can do against the Federal Reserve. It's worse than blowing it up. It's yeah. going around them. Exactly. So it's uh, so I don't know how it's going to play. I mean, you know, the, the, once the dollar loses its reserve currency status, you know, we're screwed. And, you know, it, then then it's kind of going to be free fall. Would, would they be able to afford the military when this, once that happens? Like, would they be able to? No, I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the history of central banking of the Federal Reserve is the history of modern warfare. I mean, that's yeah. where you get the money to do all that stuff. It doesn't come from. Taxes, uh, taxes don't cover it. They exactly. have to print the money to do it. Um, you know, and, and it's not just the United States. I mean, it started with the British Empire. Yep. You know, and the, the Romans did it. So they devalued their silver. Just, uh, you know, they diluted it. Uh, they didn't had invented paper money yet yeah. at that point. But <laughs> if they, you know, they diluted it and, and uh, you know, to pay for their expansion. It's just an old, old story. Yeah. Um, an interesting note that uh, it was in the movie. So they legalized marijuana in the movie, right? But it was like a trade-off for you know making silver illegal. So it was like watching the movie the other day, and it was like the same time when Obama just came out and said that they're going to leave states alone for medical marijuana laws. 
It's kind of like it's nearly, they're throwing a bone. I don't think they really care about marijuana. If it wasn't for Syria, if they didn't need a distraction, I don't think they. I think they would have kept the war on marijuana going. Yeah. Um, it's a nice way of social control, but yeah. it's, it's also a nice way to just throw people a bone. And they probably would make the psychoactive, the creative stuff really illegal and yeah. just put out stunner stuff and yeah. all kinds of additives and just, yeah. just kill people's brains with it. You know? yeah. so just keep people quiet. And yeah. It's an interesting parallel, like seeing something in a, in a movie and then seeing it in real life, kind of like reading 1984 a couple of years ago when we, I couldn't even imagine the length of prison now where an Xbox Connect is like a telescreen or a smart TV is like a telescreen or my cell phone over there is an open microphone for the NSA. To right, that's why NSA, yeah. yeah. Hey NSA, welcome to the program. Are you going to put this on in your way? Yeah, I mean, I was totally wrong about the NSA thing. I, I, I'd been telling people for years since we're making this movie that, you know, to assume that our phone conversations are probably being monitored, and even though we're completely innocent, we're just making a free movie, First Amendment, yeah. but, you know, people are probably watching, and I was wrong, you know, I, 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 they're monitoring everybody, yeah. uh, you know, I was not paranoid enough, yeah. uh, and, and this keeps happening, I'm just not paranoid yeah. enough, it's a, it's a pain. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, talk about a bit about the sequel, uh, what you have plans for it, um, what you're trying to do to, to up the metal content and make music, you know, music a big part of Rebellion. Yeah, I mean, we, well, we kind of, the, the sequel set in the farther future, we do 2028, and it's like this um, much farther decline in the United States, it's pre-secessionist, there's whole regions that are, have really pulled away from the United States, uh, it's kind of like before the war between the states, and they stop sending delegates to Congress and that kind of a thing. It's like, why bother? Yeah. Um, and so um, things are really starting to pull apart. Um, it's, it's not quite Mad Max, but we're kind of creating um, a much more crashed environment post hyperinflation. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I really liked working with the bands and working with the music in there. And, and one of the things we're talking about is like, you know, I think of, um, especially metal musicians, but just bands roaming the country in their bands, it's like the modern day pirates, you know, they're just kind of coasting the seas and going to a place and camping and getting money and going on to the next place and, you know, it's, 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 it's really similar, you know, and so we have some themes that we're going to be playing with that and I would love to see, you know, just a bunch of bands coming in across the desert, you know, the dust comes in and Metallica comes in over here and Ice Earth comes in over here and then, you know, there's like this big old, you know, big old uh, show, it'd be really yeah. fun. Um, but we're, we're still playing it out, you know, yeah. there's a lot. What about the totalitarian angle, like when, uh, when there's, like, especially in that situation, when there's totalitarianism, you have censorship of music, even if, even if it's, like, for example, jazz was uh, considered dangerous by right. Soviets because one, one inkling of, of free-mindedness, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. Um, what's, what, what, what's the climate of the kind of rebellious, similar to what the rebels were doing in the first movie with Silver and everything, what they're doing in music to fight the suppression of free expression? Yeah, I mean, we, um, it's definitely, I mean, I've studied Soviet stuff a lot. It, it's, um, you know, I definitely, and it's nice to be free enough that we don't have to deal with that. I yeah. can make this movie and not be sent to Siberia. Um, we, we were on that road, though, with the PMRC in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, no, we're definitely on, on the road to that. And I don't know what would happen to Silver Circle at this point, you know, uh, with that kind of thing. The ideas themselves are, yeah, right now the censors are more, yeah, like MPA are more interested in, you know, if people, they don't care as much if people get shot, but if 
you know, people kiss each other, have sex, yeah. and that's like a big problem. Or um, they didn't like the drugs in our movie, but I, I told them they were legal drugs. And, yeah. You know, it was, it was perfectly legal in the movie, but they didn't like that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, this kind of thing, and when you get this high-mindedness and trying to protect the culture, it gets very 1984 very quickly. Yeah. And it's, you've seen it all in the Soviet Union, and it's, it can get really bad. You just do not want to take control of that kind of thing. But I think people in the United States do have enough of a spine to kind of start seeing that and pushing back. I, I, maybe I just don't hang around normal people enough, but I, I think that that's there. I hope. Um, uh, talk a little bit about the Silver Underground blog. Um, earlier on the, I interviewed Davi Barker, who's a yeah. contributor. He does these shiny badges. I got the one that says, thanks, no tanks for the police state. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, talk, talk a bit about uh, what you guys are doing as far as uh, topics you're covering, awareness, uh, you're spreading. Yeah, Silver Underground is a really active blog, and we do a lot of um, various things throughout the week. Uh, you know, But it, it just covers stuff around Silver Circle. Um, Things that Silver Circle touches on, and then just stuff that's interesting to us. But I think we have like Money Monday, just try to cover money subjects with stuff like the Qaddafi Gold Connection. Yeah. We have Tinfoil Tuesday because I think conspiracies are great fun, and things like modern mythology, you know. And so we, we cover a lot of stuff like that. We have this thing, you know, like is 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 Alex Jones really Bill Hicks, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, uh, if you look at the photographs, you know, he might be, he might be. So. Give give give, give uh, Bill Hicks a few years and a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. It, it, it fits together, you know, and, and Alex denies it, which makes it true. Um, and we have Rebel of the Week every Wednesday. We try to honor somebody who's like fighting back, and you know, and so that's a wide range of people, whether it's, you know, a mother who, you know, shoots back and kills an assailant who tries to break into their house, or if it's a policeman who does the right thing, you know, it's a wide range. Um, and uh, we're starting to do a thing, there's a ton of Easter eggs in the movie. There's a ton of secret things um, that nobody will really ever understand. I mean, we have a, so we're doing an article about that every week now. Um, like, for example, the Capitol building in, in, um, in the movie is all fractured. And, you know, what would cause that to happen? It's, it's kind of a bad punk rock joke. It's from the Bad Brains. You know, the cover of their album yeah. you know, has a lightning going down and breaking the cap, breaking the Capitol. Yeah. So, uh, it's a bad punk rock show from yeah. a small punker, and that's just fun and fun. So, <laughs> so we do that, and so then we it, there's just a lot going on in there, but um, it's a fun kind of combination of movie plus pop culture plus sort of the anarcho capitalist kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, keep people interested. So. Definitely. Uh, for those just joining, I'm speaking here with Pastor Roberts. He's the director of the Silver Circle movie. Got it in the Fed bracelet here. The URL is silvercirclemovie.com. Uh, do you have any final words for our listeners? Uh, any more uh, about the sequel or, or, or anything you're planning on doing in the future? Um, and, and anything else you want to talk about? No, I mean, just you know, check us out at silvercirclemovie.com. The, the, uh, we're out everywhere now. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on YouTube. Um, you can sort of see it all kinds of places, even cable TV or whatever. Awesome. Uh, it'll be coming out on Netflix. And, a while we just kind of that first you do new iTunes and then do the other ones. DVDs and Blu-rays are just about to come out. I have the first one of them here, so we sold a bunch awesome. of them. 
but it's a it's you know it's a fun show and just you know check it out. We we're kind of relying on the voice of the market to see if things are are going to be ripe to do a sequel. You know, it's it really you know if the market responds great, then we'll just yeah. keep doing it. And if not, you know, we got to figure out if that's what makes sense. So respond, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So no, we're getting a lot of response. So it's good. good. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, Pasha, thank you again for joining. All right. The Thanks, man. Awesome. Keep doing an awesome job with your blog. And that was my guest, Pasha Roberts, director of the Silver Circle movie. It is up on the webcam now, the graphic. You can get the movie on DVD and Blu-ray at silvercirclemovie.com. It's a great kind of fun way to... Uh, it doesn't really too much go into detail about exactly what the Fed is, how it was created, what... But it, it says, you know, it gives it enough info that you know it's rotten and then... You follow these groups, rebels, that make silver and then try to undermine the Fed, uh, taking over people's properties through foreclosure and everything. And actually, you know, since the Fed is, uh, you know, these guys that are, are bankers, they have this exclusive privilege, thanks to the Federal Reserve Act, to print money that that's the only kind of money we can use in this country. It makes total sense. We can only use one kind of, uh, we're tethered uh, like slaves to uh, this one unit of currency. Uh, that, that's made out of paper, but they have an exclusive ab ability to print it, and uh, that, that's uh, where you know the fraud and, and lies. And since they printed out of nothing, what do they do to, for society other than have that privilege via the law? And how do they get that law will privilege via the the congressman that they bought off. Person that was attempting to get foreclosed upon was able to prove in court. That no, the Federal Reserve is the fraudulent actor in that uh, equation, not the guy who uh, unfortunately was uh, suckered into taking that loan. No, that the, the since the Fed printed that money out of thin air, it wasn't actual money that they had in the first place due to fractional reserve banking. You have ten thousand dollars on reserve, you can loan out a hundred thousand dollars. Well, where did that extra such and such money come from? Nothing. So, therefore, the loan was fraudulent on the part of the bankers. So, they actually, uh, one instance, they foreclosed on a Bank of America. So, next time, get foreclosed upon, stick it to the Fed, try to make that argument. I'm not a legal expert or anything like that. Don't take it as the end-all, be-all. But um, just like the medical marijuana caregivers who are, you know, they don't have an end-all, be-all either. They're going up against federal charges, but they still know it's... What they were doing was right, so they fight it anyways, and they might get something out of it. Maybe one of these days, like a, a federal uh, charge against the medical marijuana caregiver will go to Supreme Court. Maybe one of these days, a charge against for, uh, somebody that's getting foreclosed upon can use that Federal Reserve angle and uh, take it all the way to Supreme Court, debate the the constitutionality of, of you know, the Federal Reserve's uh, money printing Ponzi scheme. It's just a, it's just an interesting idea, uh, but one of these ways is to protest the Fed, and that's going to be my guest in the next hour. His name's Davi Barker. He does the organization Bitcoin Not Bombs. It teaches people how to use Bitcoin, specifically and primarily um, nonprofits, uh, some of which have switched over entirely to Bitcoin, uh, like Free Aid, FR33 Aid, uh, a free health organization. Um, or uh, journalistic agencies like antiwar.com a few weeks ago. 
I actually had the antiwar.com people on the show, and we did a fundraiser because they were getting screwed by the FBI's war on journalism. And a bunch of their donors were dropping off because they don't want to get spied on by the FBI. So stuck it to the FBI, made up for the damages that they did. And somebody even donated Bitcoin with this show as a surrogate. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. That's pretty cool. Um, thanks to whoever did that or uh, uh, many other organizations. And uh, Dobby is actually doing this campaign called Hoodie the Homeless. You donate a Bitcoin. He uh, gives hoodies to seven uh, homeless people in San Francisco because, you know, there is no shortages certainly of, uh, of food suppliers for the homeless, but in the freezing San Francisco weather, especially during the wintertime, people have actually died uh, on the streets because of the extreme weather, so a hoodie can go a long way. And if you have a Bitcoin to give, tune in at the top of the next hour to hear Davi talk about Bitcoin, not bombs, and the hoodie, the homeless campaign. So I want to play a few songs before we come back after the break. I'm going to talk about uh, the whole Iran thing and uh, Netanyahu's visit to President Obama today and, and what that all means and everything like that in, in relation to the, uh, the UNGA, the UN General Assembly. But I want to play these songs. It's by the band Sons of Liberty, uh, which is John Schaefer, the band heavy metal band Ice Earth. He actually had a cameo role in the Silver Circle movie. So any Ice Earth fans out there, John Schaefer wants you to know that in order to be a rebel, you must rebel against the Federal Reserve. Go to SilverCircleMovie.com and check out the movie. But this is Jekyll Island by Sons of Liberty. Then after that, Spirit of the Times by Sons of Liberty, which Pasha Roberts, my guest for the last hour, the director of the Silver Circle movie, directed that video. It's an animated John Schaefer, which is pretty cool. You're listening to KKSM AM 1320 and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network, freethoughtmedia.org.
the American people allow private banks to control the issuance of their currency, first by inflation and then by deflation. The banks and corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of all their property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Thomas Jefferson. You know 
KKSM. You may listen whether you've abandoned hope or not. The Radio Revolution. Since time began, tyrants have taken aim at personal liberties. Now there's a movie that aims back. The government has no more right to tell us what to put in our bodies than they have to take our guns or tell us what books we can read. I wonder how prohibitionists would feel if they saw medical marijuana vastly improve the life of someone dear to them. Today, many cops who enforce pot laws do so only because it provides them with cushy jobs, good benefits, and a chance to push people around. I was an undercover narcotics officer. The drug war is nothing but a farce. Six drug police were eaten by bears while raiding a marijuana farm. On your knees, you dirty hippies! Jesus. On your knees! What's the problem, officer? The Second Amendment says you gotta keep you and your gat intact. Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom. A film by Michael W. Dean and Nima Vidotti. Available from gunsandweed.com. When they point the finger at you, brother man, this is what you gotta tell them. I'm not guilty. You're the one who's guilty. The lawmakers, the politicians, the Colombian drug lords, all you who lobby against making drugs legal, just like you did with alcohol during the prohibition. You're the one who's guilty. I mean, come on, let's kick the ballistics here. Ain't no Uzis made in Harlem. Not one of us in here owns a poppy feet. This thing is bigger than immortal technique. This is big business. This is the American way. Free Thought Radio. Independent music, independent talk, and independent minds. Freethoughtmedia.org. Welcome back, everybody. Those last two songs you heard... Spirit of the Times and Jekyll Island, both by Sons of Liberty. And the the main guy from that band, John Schaefer, his main band is Ice Earth. They're actually coming out with a new album pretty soon, but he had a cameo role in the movie, animated movie, Silver Circle. I had the director on in the last past half hour. Uh, check out the podcast airing on LRN.FM or check it out on iTunes. Just search for Freethought and look for Freethought AAC. You can subscribe over there. And uh, also one of the commercials was the Guns and Weed movie. And coincidentally, this Sunday, I'm very, very much excited to be joining the Freedom Fiends podcast. And it's F-E-E-N-S. And Freedom Fiends is an awesome show about liberty on the LRN.FM radio station, as well as they're syndicated throughout, um, throughout the country on different AM and FM stations. Um, I'm actually going to be joining the show... October 6th, at 10 a.m., and they're actually starting a new syndicate at KSZL AM 1230 in Barstow, California. And so we're 1320, and that's 1230. It's pretty cool. Uh, but uh, the show's hosted by Michael W. Dean and Nima Vidotti, and they made the Guns and Weed movie. Uh, Michael W. Dean used to be in this band called Bomb. Uh, they were a psychedelic punk rock band, and they were actually signed to Warner Brothers and were pretty popular and toured a lot. Um, and he's also an independent filmmaker. We kind of have this thing in common. We both know uh, Lloyd Kaufman of trauma, of trauma movies. Uh, Lloyd wrote a review of Michael's book, $30 Film School. I got an alien probe from Dennis Woodruff at the Hollywood sign uh, for a music video we made as a tribute to the Toxic Avenger. So think it's a pretty small world pretty cool but i'm very excited to join the show so again it's www.freedomfiends f-e-e-n-s freedomfiends.com you'll find out how to listen to it and if you're in barstow 
KSZLAM1230 at 10 a.m. Pacific time, October 6th. I will be on the Freedom Fiends show, and you can watch the movie Guns and Weed for free at gunsandandweed.com. Gunsandweed.com. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited because they're they're a pretty fun show, and um, I'll I'll listen to them a lot. And going to be talking about uh, some stuff about the war on journalism in this article I wrote, which I'll get to probably later in the show. But right now, uh, uh, Netanyahu is visiting the country prime minister of the state of Israel. And that's why I, if you're watching on the webcam, that's why I, I wore my shirt that says free Palestinian political prisoners. He's coming to this country. Um, so l- let's, let's just start with Iran first at the UNGA, the UN. Uh, actually, let me start, let me back up a little earlier because before Abe Foxman comes down on me, um, I think everybody should speak out against the Israeli apartheid, whether you're Jewish or not, or Palestinian or not. Uh, if Even if you have no skin in the game, um, th- there are plenty of people in Israel that hate the apartheid. Of course, it takes enough people to participate in the apartheid to make it possible, plus a rigged political system towards the Likudniks, which probably are uh, foreign aid pays for a rigged political system, kind of like the rigged political system here. Uh but if you talk to an, uh, sometimes you might run into a racist who say Palestinians are all a bunch of animals and they deserve to die. But you'll run into an Israeli who thinks that you know the Likudniks are a bunch of sadistic freakazoids and uh, they're you know creating literal hell on earth for people uh, in what is left of occupied Palestine. Um, and personally, myself, I'm an atheist, uh, and I don't—because being an atheist, I can't, you know, claim to also be Jewish at the same time, but I do have some family that is. So, you know, let Abe Foxman truly show his racist roots, because when it, when it comes down to it, they call you a self-hating Jew or whatever, and that's just so racist. It's like saying you can't own your own mind. You have to bow down to the state. I mean, please— if, if, I love for somebody to show me in whatever religious text, where does it say that the British government has to get AK-47s to murder a bunch of Palestinian people to establish the state of Israel? Where does it say uh, that we, the Likud party is, you know, God's will? Uh, <laughs> obviously, this stuff is, uh, you know, while some people try to say it is part of the religion, certainly a lot of people are brainwashed to, uh, to thinking that it is part of the religion. Uh, a lot of people do not. They think it's a uh, perversion or an abdication of the religion. Uh, In fact, one of the founders of Zionism, uh, who, you know, commissioned by the Rothschilds, his name was Theodor Herzl, and he said that, you know, it's kind of, he referred to Jews in Europe as the Jewish problem. He wanted to, you know, expel them, but he was this, you know, rich, you know, wealthy uh, Jewish guy. He wasn't going to be touched by any of the stuff that he was going to create. Um, but he said, quote, I'm quoting Theodor Herzl, the anti-Semites will be our best friend when talking about how he's going to collude with, you know, the Hitler regime. And uh, I mean, I consider Hitler a founding father of, of the state, uh, given that Goebbels went over to Palestine for some reason uh, to survey the land. This is a historical fact that goes kind of unspoken. But, you know, that's just I hate I hate having to, you know, kind of put that disclaimer at the beginning that anti-Zionism is not equivalent to anti-Semitism or, or hatred of somebody because they're born. But thanks to somebody like Abe Foxman from the Anti-Defamation League, I have to deliver that every single time I talk about Israel. It sucks, but it's just so much propaganda out there. Um, but let's go into actually the meat of the issues. 
uh, except for the disclaimer. So in international news, uh, the new prime minister of Iran, uh, Rouhani, uh, acknowledges the Holocaust. Uh, you know, I, I think Ahmadinejad maybe certainly was a total nut job and with his Holocaust denial and everything, but let's get it straight that what he says about wiping off the map, that was completely a misconstrued, mistranslated. He said he wanted to wipe the Zionist regime from the pages of history. So Zionism is not equivalent to all Jews. It's just equivalent to the current government and, you know, what they have been since the 48 or whatever uh, and, the, and the, uh, their agenda, um, which, you know, I would agree. I think that we should... You know, that the, you know, we do regime, the United States government does regime change in all these other countries. Well, maybe it's time for uh, uh, regime change in Israel, which would be more of the will, probably of the will of the Israeli people, let alone the Palestinian people who want freedom and right to return to their own homes. Um, you know, that, you know, uh, you know, Israelis don't want to take part in apartheid. So that would probably just take part with getting rid of all the foreign aid to Israel and everything like that. And, and that would allow for sovereignty for both the Israelis and the Palestinian people. And a lot of Israelis probably would just go back to a one Palestinian state, uh, given that, you know, the, the, just the British military coup of 1948 and the Nakba. Um, but so, you know, that besides the mistranslation of the wiping off the map thing, um, yeah, aside from that, I, I don't hold Ahmadinejad in high regard. Um, but they're separate individuals. Rouhani guy comes in. Obama didn't even want to talk to him from the get-go. From day one, Rouhani wanted to talk to Obama, but Obama didn't, uh, probably on the pressure of Israel. Um, but so at the UNGA, Rouhani acknowledged the Holocaust, saying that the U.S. and Israel are fear-mongering over nuclear threats, saying that Iran has no place for nuclear war in its security policies. Now, Ahmadinejad said the same thing, too. Say what you want to say about Ahmadinejad. you got to take him at their word. Another people you could take out the word are the CIA and the Mossad, the United States and Israeli intelligence services. They both admit that they are fabricating this nuclear threat from Iran, that they are not close to a bomb at all, and if they even would want to use it. And uh, let's say for a second that they did. Well, why? Maybe it's because Israel has all this immunity to have nuclear weapons, and so does the U.S., but Iran doesn't. Uh, so does Pakistan and all the, and Saudi Arabia, like all these other countries that would be hostile towards them. Maybe it's just to, they wouldn't actually use it, but to maybe say, hey, uh, so we're not as easily nukable. Not that I want to justify any country having nuclear arms, but that's a reason. But even then, the CIA and the Mossad have denied that Iran is a th nuclear threat. But the media keeps, and the government still keep reporting this propaganda. Rouhani called sanctions against Iran violence against Iran. Um, called for Israel to take part in the nuclear non-proliferation non and as well as the chemical weapons treaties um, because Israel hasn't joined the non-proliferation treaty. They don't even get the, uh, the uh, people to... They don't, they're sub exempt from IAE or the International Atomic Energy Association or whatever. They're, not subject, they're completely secretive about all that. Uh, same with chemical weapons. And uh, Rouhani uh, recently did join Obama in a series of talks. What those were about, a little unclear. Um, hopefully, in, in you know getting rid of uh, chemical weapons and stuff like that. But shimmer of hope here. Israel is saying that it is consider it's considering to join the chemical weapons 
disarmament treaty. Unfortunately, only now, after many years since they've used white phosphorus on Gaza, uh, unprovoked, you know, what what the hell did an open-air prison do to Netanyahu uh, other than wanting to t- them, Netanyahu wanting to take over Gaza and eviscerate it uh, completely. So they used white phosphorus, which burns the skin. So Israel used chemical weapons, but Obama didn't want to invade uh, Israel when they used chemical weapons. Syria somehow crossed this magic red line. Also, on September 20th this year, Israeli troops attacked EU diplomats uh, with concussive grenades, all in front of international reporters. And then they stole the West Bank aid the diplomats were carrying. And the Israeli military was loud and proud about it. They say that they had foiled a plot to help rebuild the demolished homes of Palestinians. Yeah, such a horrible plot. <laughs> and and uh, they, they attacked... The diplomats specifically for the EU's banning of EU citizenry involvement in illegal Israeli settlements. Now Netanyahu's visiting Obama today, getting he actually issued a gag order to his entourage to keep quiet about whatever they think about Iran, except for one sentiment that they think that Rouhani's olive branch is a smokescreen. I happen to think the contrary. I happen to think that Obama's olive branch to Rouhani is a smokescreen. Obama was a keynote at APAC. You don't just have the keynote speech at an APAC conference along with your vice president as well and somehow become less hawkish. (laughs) I think Obama is pulling a ruse and both him and Netanyahu want some way to Iran. Obama just wants to come off as the peacemaker uh, just for now until they could find some excuse. Uh, So uh, once... You know, the details of this meeting between Obama and Netanyahu comes out. Um, I'll be able to delve more into it. But, you know, again, my sentiments. I don't think Obama's uh, uh, olive branch towards Iran is genuine. It was short-lived. It's just a, for show. Um, but they're going to, once they're not in this unga, they're going to, you know, go back at it. When you're in person, it's like kind of like when these internet trolls hide behind typewriters and do, like, character assassinations against people. It's the same thing. In face, those, like, internet grows muscles. Those character assassination bloggers will never be able to say what they say to you behind your back on a website to your face. That's hiding behind a typewriter. So Obama would never be able to say all this hawkish rhetoric straight to the face of Rouhani necessarily, although he was pretty hawkish at the UNGA. Um, he was saying, "We the United States still needs to be number one, and it is our role to police the world, and uh, I am George Bush, and da-da-da-da-da. Um, yeah. Still sounding pretty hawkish, but not as much as like when you're on the other side of the country and you're able to. It's a little bit more hiding, like the hiding behind the typewriter thing. Um, so I think we're going to see some war mongering ramping up. And is the, is the Obama administration expecting us to have amnesia, like forgetting all the war mongering that's been going on? Oh, no, no. Since he's gotten into office, you know, all the innocent children being killed and drone strikes and everything like that. What are, what are we expecting? Um, it's a very, very interesting scenario. But um, my guest the next hour uh, would uh, offer up uh, something cool for those Israelis that don't like their, their own government and Palestinians that don't like the Israeli government either. Thing called Bitcoin. You're able to 
transcend sanctions and walls and apartheid and genocide and all those things because Gaza and you know the West Bank their economies are seriously depleted people are in again it's a living hell it's hell on earth in those areas um, while the difficulty of actually getting goods across at least with Bitcoin you could make sure that people you know are paid what would be interesting about Bitcoin use would would be if it was just circulated amongst Gaza or just the West Bank, that people from the international communities around the world can start donating uh, to that economy to help support people where they have to rely, maybe if they are using currency as a means of exchange, if it's a, related to government-sanctioned central banks, private central banks, uh, this would be a way to avoid that, to boycott that, and it would just be interesting to see, never mind the Israeli equation of it being able to trade through the wall, but just amongst themselves. And so they don't need, aside from goods itself, it would just be a form of a, of a currency that could be distributed amongst people um, just to encourage more people to do things. Because not everybody can do everything for free sometimes. People do need uh, compensation, and then in turn, they could deal in the Bitcoin market online and purchase goods and um, for people hopefully get over. I mean, it's a challenge, certainly. Without having to go through a wall, it's all digital. It avoids bank fees. You're not associating with banks associated with these governments. You're not... Uh, paying income taxes or taxes to the Israeli government using Bitcoin. So Israelis can seriously boycott their own government by using Bitcoin and then additionally uh, help to break the apartheid wall by using it to trade amongst Palestinians. Because at the end of the day, Jews used to live in Israel before the Zionists came in. Actually, there was a lot of opposition to the Zionists from those Jews that lived there. A lot of the Zionists actually physically murdered some of those most outspoken uh, uh, Jews that were against Zionism. Um, and that's not to say what they did to the Palestinians was a whole lot, mess a lot worse. You know, again, living hell on earth. Um, that's why I am wearing my free Palestinian political prisoners shirt Um Although, you know, a shirt doesn't do much. You know, the, the government spends your tax dollars. The taxpayers need to own up to this uh, uh, more than just wearing a shirt. Um, so uh, tune in at the top of this next hour. My guests will be talking about Bitcoins. But right now I want to play a new song from this awesome heavy metal band. Hadn't released an album since 2001. Before that, not since the 90s. They're a band called Gorguts. And they just came out with this new album, Colored Sand. So I want to play the title track. Colored Sands here by Gorguts. Check it out. They're pretty awesome. They're from Canada. And they actually got the guitarist and bassist of Dysrhythmia joining up the lineup. Talented, awesome guys. Brutal death metal, too. So you're listening to Free Thought Radio, KKSM AM 1320, and LRN.FM. Davi Barker of Bitcoin Not Bombs is up next to talk about Bitcoin. Be right back.
OceansidePalomarCollegeRadio.com. Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me, government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, the best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. See why the government's cracking down. Introducing the two drugs that are legal, alcohol and cigarettes, two drugs that do nothing for you whatsoever. And drugs that grow naturally upon this planet. Drugs that open your eyes up to make you realize how you're being every day of your life. Those drugs are against the law. Wow. Free Thought Radio, waking you up to the fact that you're being screwed by the system every day of your life since 2010. Only on KKSM AM 1320, the radio revolution, and LRN.FM, the radio network, media.org. Welcome back, guys. Live every Monday, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Again, my guest in the first hour was Pasha Roberts, the director of the movie Silver Circle, an animated uh, feature about the Federal Reserve. Before I get to my next guest, let me give you a bit of a preview of uh, what's going on uh, in the next coming weeks. So this Sunday at at 10 a.m., uh, I'm going to be joining the Freedom Fiends show. It's F-E-E-N-S, Freedom Fiends. They're a pretty cool show on LRN.FM. It's their live show. They're actually joining a new syndicate uh, this weekend, I believe. Uh, for their first, uh, they do Saturday and Sunday live shows. It's KSZLAM 1230 in Barstow. So I'll be uh, beaming out over the Barstow airwaves, uh, talking about freedom with the Freedom Fiends, in addition to LRN.FM and their myriad of, uh, of syndicates across the country. But I think this is their first California syndicate up in Barstow, which is pretty cool. Um, pretty cool to be joining them. But if you don't can't catch the freedom fiends at 10 a.m on sunday october 6th i will re-air it on next week's broadcast which is october 7th i have christina tobin of the free and equal elections foundation as well as ernest hancock of freedomsphoenix.com he's also the host of declare your independence with ernest hancock so i guess that after that in the third hour i'll air what went on on the freedom fiends um, the week after that, I've got Jeffrey Tucker and Charles W. Johnson on October 14th, and that's actually my 22nd birthday. So 
Save the heartfelt uh, birthday wishes. I want you to participate in hashtag Op420, which is uh, the anonymous thing to legalize marijuana. Because guess what? Starting tomorrow, the signature gathering process for the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative, written by Jack Herr, uh, it's to legalize cannabis and hemp in California. Go to www.cchi2014.org if you want to legalize marijuana. Um, basically, uh, for that episode on October 14th, for my birthday, I want you to sign the ballot petition to get the initiative on the ballot or at least pledge to sign it if you can't uh, reach somebody from the initiative in person. Um, there's reps for every county, so you'll be able – and it's it's like a grassroots thing, like doing magazines as a kid. You, you can pick a bunch up from the local petition circulation leader from the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative – it has 10 slots. You sign it. Get nine friends. Come back. Get some more. You need 750,000 signatures statewide to put marijuana legalization on the ballot in 2014. And I don't even like to call it marijuana. It's cannabis and hemp. And it will legalize cannabis and hemp. Industrial hemp. My pants are made out of hemp. It'd be nice if I had the job to grow the hemp. Maybe. And then, you know, you give it to somebody else. That creates a job for them to process the raw materials into the into the thread. They give the thread to somebody that threads the pants. They give the pants to somebody to retail it. Look at all those jobs. It's amazing what kind of big business is behind hemp prohibition that would prevent all those jobs from coming to fruition. So on the October 14th episode or from October 1st to February when the signature gathering process is going on, just pledge to sign the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative petition uh, ballot petition thing to get it on the ballot in 2014 in November so California can take a stand, legalize cannabis, and this initiative is pretty good, uh, written by Jack Herr. I'm sure a lot of you that you know know the ins about of cannabis or whatever have smoked a lot of Jack Herr, but did you know he was a real dude? Um, so that's the October 14th episode. Got Jeffrey Tucker and Charles W. Johnson as well as you know the Op 420 get the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative on the ballot for my birthday, which is that day, October 14th. Week after that, I've got Judd Weiss. Week after that, I got Foster Gamble of the movie Thrive. Um, so that should be pretty cool. But on the subject of the Fed, you know, I mentioned uh, before I brought on Pasha Roberts of the Silver Circle movie uh, that the Fed are, you know, they're going to print some new money and it's going to be on this awesome paper, you know. <laughs> I know you're probably thinking to yourself, why does it matter? You know, it's it's a 99% versus 1% thing. You know, the Fed and the bankers have all the privilege. It doesn't matter what kind of paper it's on. I mean, it's a, it's a ruse. It's, you know, it's spitting in our faces. They're insulting our intelligence by, oh, we're going to print it on some fancy schmancy new paper. Uh, my guest for this hour is going to talk about how you can boycott that stupid system uh, with something known as Bitcoin. And he has this great organization called Bitcoin Not Bombs. And we did this interview at Libertopia 2013, uh, not just a few weeks ago. Hey, everybody. We're at Libertopia 2013 here in San Diego, California. Uh, and, and we're talking right now with Davi Barker of Muslims for Liberty and Bitcoin Not Bombs. Davi, welcome to the, again to the program. How's it going? Pretty good. Um, so discuss... Um, what you think liberty means and, and why you're here at Libertopia? Well, I'm specifically here as a speaker. Um, I'm talking, I had a, uh, a discussion called authoritarian sociopathy, and it was about um, 
very psychological experiments on authority. I mean, people are familiar with the Stanford Prison Experiment and the Milgram Experiment, but there have been other studies since then on power and compassion, power and deception, and power and hypocrisy, which gave us the results that we might expect. Yeah. Uh, people in power lie more, cheat more, steal more, and don't care how you feel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm also proposing um, another, I'm, I'm proposing a sort of renegade psychological experiment on police brutality to see um, how much police brutality uh, the average population is willing to witness before they'll intervene. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason that I think that this is important is because um, even though the state has tanks and guns and cops and buildings and, and there's this machinery of the state, fundamentally speaking, the state as a concept only exists in the mind. And exactly. so if you really want to attack the state, you can't do it with rifles, you can't do it with cameras or with voting. Mm -hmm you can really only do it in the mind. So uh, addressing the psychology of authority and, this, and hopefully the psychology of liberty that, that there is you know, a psycho class of people who are resistant or disobedient to authority and we can foster that um, is the key to um, not only establishing liberty in the world but also making sure that it's sustainable and doesn't sort of fall back into authoritarian modes of social interaction. Exactly, and, and talk a bit about some of the uh, new shiny badges you have available. Um, at your booth over there and, sure. and uh, what you guys are doing as far as uh, Bitcoin awareness? Uh, so shinybadges.com is um, my sort of, uh, my, my, it's my, where I am the merchant, right? It's more yeah. sort of my merchandising website. <laughs> and uh, we sell sort of die cut metallic lapel pins um, like this one here. This is the thanks but no tanks pin. And the idea was that we see these sort of politicians and they look very official in their little dapper outfits <laughs> and they wear an American flag pin, right? So I made, the first pin I made was the black and gold um, anarcho-capitalist flag pin. And then because it's a dye, I made black and red, I made black and orange, black and green. I made all the different colored flag pins. So whatever your sort of anarcho-hyphenation is, you can uh, get the appropriate lapel pin. And then we started doing other issues, voluntary awesome. pins, agorist pins. The thanks but no tanks pin is actually part of a grant fundraiser. A dollar from every sale for those pins goes into a grant fund for anti-police militarization activism. Awesome. Uh, the police badge that we did, the shiny badges don't grant extra rights mm -hmm. badge, is um, a fundraiser for Cop Block. And Cop Block gets $10 off of every badge, every one of those. Those are larger, though. Those aren't lapel pins. Yeah. Um, so as far as Bitcoin outreach, um, well, I also do Bitcoin lapel pins. There's, there's a Bitcoin not bombs lapel pin. There's a Bitcoin lapel pin. They're good for starting conversations with people. But primarily, BitcoinNotBombs.com is uh, my Bitcoin project. And that is a sort of launching pad for organizations that are new to the, the Bitcoin economy. And we like to um, publicize them to like let their current uh, either client base or donor base know why they've decided to adopt Bitcoin. And at the same time, run a fundraising or marketing campaign in the Bitcoin community to say, here's this sort of new member of the community, here's the service or charity that they're providing, so that there's this cross-pollination of ideas and we just like fully sort of initiate people into this like thriving new economy as opposed to just putting it on their website and yeah. letting and waiting to see what happens. Exactly. Um, when you were on last time on my show, you talked about how Bitcoin was being used to avoid harsh economic sanctions in Iran. Uh, what are the status of those, and is there any uh, any talk of like bitcoins uh, being used in like Gaza or the West Bank or any other countries that uh, has those types of problems? So I'm still I'm still searching for this uh, because I know that there's currently a lot of 
efforts to sort of get money into Syria, right? Like mm -hmm. people are, are sending money to Turkey and then they sort of walk across the border and it's this whole clandestine effort, yeah. which is very dangerous. Right. And I don't advocate that people do this if they can, yeah. uh, if they can, if they, uh, they shouldn't do this because they're going to get, they're going to get accused of material support for terrorism if the money ends up in the hands of someone the government doesn't like, yeah. right? But if we can find Bitcoin users in Syria or in Turkey or anywhere in that sort of a position, it's very easy to anonymize the transaction. It's very easy to get across borders. You don't have to fly anybody. You don't have to mail anything. It becomes possible to send money as discreetly as possible to the, the, the international um, causes that people support. Um, there's... Um, there's a, uh, the, I think it's the Bar Association, I'm not totally sure, but someone in Israel recently declared that Bitcoin was officially a currency, and now lawyers in Israel can officially accept, currency, accept Bitcoin as a currency. And I, and I always thought that was, I think that's funny, yeah. right? Because they could before. Yeah. The, the, so there's apparently this like ethical committee for lawyers in Israel that said that it's a real currency. But even though I don't care about the ruling, yeah. what me, what's interesting about that to me is that that means that we're going to start to see more Bitcoin activity in Israel. And if there's more Bitcoin activity in Israel, we're going to start seeing more Bitcoin activity in, in Palestine. Yeah. And, and that means people are going to start trading through the wall without tunnels. Yeah. Right? And so, it, uh, like uh, just broadly even beyond uh, Israel-Palestine, like when, when people are using Bitcoin to help out people in Iran, they're not just helping them out. They're boycotting the state that is funding the situation that's creating the situation that makes it hard in Iran. Same with, like, people in Israel can stop supporting the government uh, by using Bitcoin, uh, people that oppose their own government. And same in Palestine, they can avoid all the, all the situations and trade with other people, like you said, beyond the wall. What, what's the effect of uh, that double effect of, uh, of uh, going, you know, getting across the economic sanctions and boycotting the state that is causing those economic situations? Right. Well, there's this old expression, I mean, I'm sure we've all heard it, it's that um, if goods don't cross borders, soldiers will, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, if it, the thing that I'm excited about Bitcoin is is that if, if soldiers can't cross borders, or I'm sorry, if, if goods can't be prevented from crossing borders, then soldiers can't, yeah. right? So if it becomes impossible for the state to prevent us from trading with who they say are our enemies... Mm -hmm then suddenly it becomes impossible for them to wage these wars yeah. because they're going to be relying on our support. And if our money is out of their system, mm -hmm. then we have to voluntarily support their war, which yeah. we're not doing. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, if they can't prevent us from trading with them, mm -hmm. then they can't propagandize us because yeah. in order to demonize a, another people in the minds of, 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 Americans or whoever's waging the war, you have to dehumanize the enemy. Yep. And if you're trading with the enemy and you're interacting with the enemy, you can no longer just put up a poster of them with a big nose or whatever. Yeah. Like, exactly. it, it becomes impossible because you know them. Exactly. Um, let's tie that into Syria because they're saying that, oh, now they want to seek a declaration of, or, or it may even be the situation in, with the Iraq war. It was a approval but it's not a formal declaration as prescribed in the constitution uh, and it's maybe like oh now we want this congressional thing please forget about everything that we did in these past few days with the imperialist saber rattling and everything like that like it's, it's just so moment to moment with this miley thing and now they're throwing us the bone of cannabis legalization which i'm sure pisses us all off as libertarians of the opportunization <laughs> of the timing of that it's just uh um <laughs> What, what, what do you what do you make of the whole situation and especially you know these fiascos are just rolling out day by day so it's hard to like keep up because everything's updated and it's all it's all the more outraging 
So I don't care about congressional approval for war. Yeah. You know, when, when the Iraq war was going on and I was sort of new in the liberty movement and Ron Paul said there's no official declaration for war and that's the Constitution, that resonated with me for the Iraq war. Well, I've grown up. I've uh, given away childish things like yeah. the Constitution, and I don't care. If the president declares war, it's unethical. If the yeah. Congress declares war, it's just a dispersion of responsibility, yeah. <laughs> right? So um, there's a lot of discussion in the activist community about what to advocate, like for political activists. What do you call your congressman and ask for, right? And I'm sort of of the opinion there's nothing that you can call Congress and ask for. If there's, if there's anything that um, can be done for these international crises. It's for states to get out of the way and to allow people to privately fund whatever they think is right in that country, right? And that, and that sounds crazy now because we've had this, like, last, like, since 9-11, we've had this crazy, yeah. like, crackdown on international anything. Yeah. But you go back 20, 30, 40, 100 years, and it was not uncommon for people to send money to political movements in other countries, in their home countries. If they're immigrant populations, they would send money home, and that money would be used for revolutions in other countries, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the way the market responds to, to tyranny in the world, yeah. right? So if you can't voluntarily raise the fund to do whatever it is you think should be done in Syria, then that means that you're attacking innocent people to fund it. Definitely, and I would definitely agree that. Even if Congress were to, to declare it or whatever, it wouldn't make it right. They want to make it justified or, or even defensive, um, and, and this is, this goes to show like what what, what we're doing is, uh, uh, and uh, this relates to how you introduced me to talk accords. I wanted I wanted to mention how uh, the uh, Muslim community of punk rock has been vocal about what's going on in Burma with the uh, uh, ethnic cleansing of the Rohingya population to clear out that land for an oil pipeline. Um, what do you make uh, of their vocalness and why is it important that, that music and art, including like what you're doing, this is, why, why is art and, and stuff so important to getting that message out? So I don't know a lot about Talk Records activities in Burma, um, but I heard a, an interesting statistic in Ernie, Ernest Hancock's talk earlier today, and he said that 50% uh, of the population of Egypt is younger than 24, right? That's the age group that likes music. That's the age group that likes culture. That's the age group that likes to go to these sort of like rebellious movies, right? Yeah. So, so that is that is the age group, 24 to, to 18, and then even younger that, like 10 to 18. Though that's where culture is being established, right? And so by infusing music and film and culture and art, you're you're establishing a generation of people who are going to inherit these countries, yeah. right? And and that's why it's important. It's because um, they don't have to. They don't have to take it over by force. The um, the corrupt generations die off, yeah. and they inherit the country, right? They, we inherit the world. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely, uh, it's an interesting prospect. Um, uh, I'm not sure what the timeline was at the at the time of our last interview, but uh, in regards to Egypt, like it, it doesn't seem like Egypt can get any break from U.S. funded dictators. We had. Mubarak, of course. Morsi came up as this outsider independent guy, but right away IMF loans, um, mm. U.S. Uh, influence and everything like that gets ousted and then a U.S.-backed military. Can they ever really, truly get their self-determination back um, until we at home cut off the foreign aid and they uh, do something to you know, direct their attention at our influence rather than you know, the 
kind of de divisive fighting that's going on right now. Are you familiar with the concept of a tensegrity in geometry? I okay. probably didn't pay attention in class. <laughs> a tensegrity is a stable form that is the product of many disjointed pieces that, are, that have a, a unified tension, right? So nothing can move because everything is relying on everything else to stay in place. Yeah. And the thing with tensegrities is you can't build upon them. They collapse, right? Because anytime anything moves... Yeah. The whole structure falls apart. You lose tension in one place, it releases tension in another place, the whole thing comes down, right? So governments, by their nature, are form, they form a tensegrity, right? You have, you have these, these designed tensions between uh, branches of government that build and build and build and they build and they, until they lock. And then they have a stable, immovable structure that can't do anything but collapse. So um, they're going to continue, as long as you're going to continue this model of, of government where you think you have these sorts of checks and balances and, and tensions between political branches, yeah. you're going to create gridlock in your government and it's going to become, crack, it's going to become tighter and, and immovable and that means tyranny, right? That's, what, that's, yeah. the, that's the metaphor in the geometry is that an immovable structure is a tyranny um, until it collapses. So every time there's a collapse, you have an opportunity to not do that again. But until they learn that, until we learn that, then it's a cyclical pattern. Definitely. Um, talk about uh, how, how you write for the Silver Underground blog, which is related to the Silver Circle movie played here at, at Libertopia. Sure. Um, and how that kind of relates to Takakura, because Silver Circle movie, you know, it's a kind of like rebellious artistic film with like a lot of rock and heavy metal and, and, and Takakura is Muslim punk rock. Um, how, how does you know the and Silver Under, Underground has a rebellious tone to it as well? What what do you make of that just whole element to and, and how it reaches out to people that are our uh, generation? Uh, well, Silver Circle movie started as a comic book, as a graphic novel, and the intention was to sort of get into this comic book culture, the like comic cons and wonder cons and, and anime and co cosplay, and get in because that is um, that is defining. Mm -hmm. The, the next generation of, of heroes, of what it means to be a hero, right? So we, we are, like, mainly familiar, like, at least I'm, I'm mainly familiar with, like, Batman, Superman, Wolverine. Yeah. Like, these characters are the characters I grew up with. These kids are growing up with tens of thousands of characters in their comic books and their video games, and, and, they, and they have a much broader pantheon to pull from when they're looking for moral teaching. So Silver Circle was trying to infuse that with these rebellious heroes who are not superheroes. They're something attainable. They're human beings who are motivated by their principles. And so you take that, you make it into an animated film, you make it into T-shirts and paraphernalia, and you sort of you turn a comic book generation onto both rebellious political activism but also silver currency and the, and the, the problems with the Federal Reserve. Mm -hmm. And the sequel is going to go into other issues too. But the idea is that, um, that you get them... You, you infect the culture when they're, when they're searching for what it means to be a hero. Definitely. I've been speaking here with Davi Barker of Muslims for Liberty, Silver Underground Blog, and Bitcoin Not Bombs, and ShiningBadges.com. <laughs> Thank you again for joining the program. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, Shiny Badges got some great badges up there. Uh, cop, one of the coplock.org badge, the Shiny Badges Don't Grant Extra Rights. Uh, they have their numbers, so you can wear your badge next to a police officer while you're filming them. Be like, hey, I have a shiny badge, too. Does that grant me extra rights? And it'll, it'll make them think for a little bit. Um, but I have, I have some of the shiny badges up on the webcam now. 
Um, but I want to play actually um, two songs. Uh, one's Taco Core. Uh, it's by this band called the Cominas. And uh, yeah, again, Taco Core is Muslim punk rock. And then after that, I want to play a song called I Don't Have Freedom. And it's from uh, an album called Checkpoint Rock. Um, songs from Palestine. Um, and it's by the artist D-A-M. It probably stands for something or capitalized for no reason. Um, and probably somebody's initials. I don't know. Uh, but so this is Tahrir Square Dance by the Cominas. And then I Don't Have Freedom by D-A-M here on KKSM. The Radio Revolution and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network, will be right back. John Beza of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, Cops Say Legalized Drugs, is up at the top of the next hour. Freethoughtmedia.org. I'm not 
رجاء الحياة عملنا بلطه للحيان ولدنا ولما لينا مش بيدينا جربنا نخدها فمتنا كل اللي طلبنا كان نفس اللي ضحينا عشانه برضه كان نفس انت قولي ليه اطفال العالم حرة وانا مالي انا مالي حرة KKSM, where Elvis never left the building. The Radio Revolution. Are you tired of governments around the world killing innocent people? Stop using their money. There is an alternative. Bitcoin is a stateless, free market, non-political currency. Bitcoin is money that cannot be inflated or controlled by any state. By continuing to use their money, you're perpetuating the killing. Stop doing it. You have an incredible alternative available to you now. Learn it, use it, spread it. Get started with Bitcoin at WeUseCoins.com. It's WeUseCoins.com. Having trouble finding your favorite punk and ska tunes on the radio? I don't like stuff that sucks. Yeah. Well, join me, the Reverend Nate, every Friday from 6 to 9 for the Punk and Ska Revival. Reckless, alcoholic, psychotic. He's perfect. I'll be playing all the great new and old Punk and Ska tracks and getting you ready for the weekend. This loud music will not damage my hearing. No, no, it's good for you. So tune in and join the congregation. We're live on KKSM AM 1320, the radio revolution. The federal government would like to remind you that while some will tell you to think for yourself, this is not necessary as we have taken care of this for you. Simply pledge allegiance to those who keep you safe and avoid dangerous behavior, worst of which, questioning authority. How long do you want to live in blissful ignorance while each day the state assumes more power over you and your stuff? Do you remember signing off on that? Or do you accept it because it is what it is? I'm sure it feels real nice to tune out, hang out at the mall with your BFFs, and if you have a problem, just vote for the other power-hungry political party for your solutions. I don't have the luxury because one day I found something out. I own myself. And you know what useful thing is in there? My brain! The state can keep trying to tell you what to do from the barrel of a gun, but it's up to you to decide who controls your thoughts. Free your mind from the status quo. It's the first step towards reclaiming your liberty. Ah, uh, well, you got us there. Listen to Cody O'Connor's Off There Live every Thursday and Saturday night at 10 Eastern. It's dangerous, hilarious, and live on LRN.FM. We're involved in sort of a low-key war against apathy, where they might, just for a second, question enough of their environment to do something about it. As long as they don't feel their environment and they don't worry about it, they're not going to do anything to change it. And something's got to be done before America scarfs up the world and on it. Free Thought Radio. Your source for independent music, independent talk, from independent minds. Only on KKSM AM 1320, the radio revolution, and podcasting on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network, freethoughtmedia.org. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio, and now it is time for the news. This bottom of the hour news brief is brought to you by copblock.org with their police accountability report. Before you cross the street, you better look both ways, or we'll throw you in the pokey for a dozen days. And all around the county, every woman and man knows, we'll pull you over just to play our banjos. The Police Accountability Report, brought to you by copblock.org. Coplock is a decentralized project supported by a diverse group of individuals united by their shared goals of police accountability, education of individual rights, and the dissemination of effective tactics to utilize while filming police. And that's the plan, Joe. Throw you in the can, Joe. 
From Keene in the Shire, the Liberty Media Capital of the World, this is Daryl W. Perry, host of the Police Accountability Report, brought to you by Coplock.org. This week, a couple of stories that should cause anyone critically thinking to see that those wearing badges aren't always operating with the best of intentions. Agents with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement arrested the former city marshal of Arcadia for taking $151,100 from city accounts over the course of five years. Charles Jr. Lee, 47, of Arcadia, is charged with one count of scheme to defraud, one count of grand theft over $100,000, and one count of official misconduct. The FDLE started their investigation on May 21st of this year, the day after Lee resigned, after the assistant city marshal reported suspicious transactions involving checks Lee had allegedly written. An audit allegedly showed Lee was writing checks to himself from three police department checking accounts. FDLE agents who searched Lee's former office say they found information on checks and receipts that did not match as well as several completed checks that had not yet been issued, but were backdated to 2011 and 2012. Investigators believe Lee wrote those checks to cover up his theft. Agents also reviewed bank records, which they say showed Lee wrote himself 207 checks from police department accounts from 2006 to 2011. Investigators say the checks ranged in value from $200 to $3,000. The FDLE was not able to get check images prior to 2006. Since Lee was elected city marshal in 2001, they say there could have been even more checks Lee wrote to himself in that period where no records are available. Agents say of the $151,100 taken, only $6,100 might have been used on legitimate expenses related to the police department. They're unable to account for the other $145,000. Lee allegedly told FDLE agents in an interview on July 11th that he started misusing the funds in about 2006 to, quote, maintain his standard of living. When he learned of a pending audit, Lee allegedly said he tried to create fictitious documents to cover up for the theft. He was booked into the DeSoto County Jail on $41,500 bond. In other news, Houston Police Officer Garrett Lindley was placed on indefinite suspension by the police department in July and now has been indicted by a grand jury on misdemeanor charges of official oppression. Nicole DeBoard, Lindley's attorney, said, Yes, he denies kicking that person. He did not hurt anyone. He was trying to help fellow officers, and that's it. Eric Falsteck was under arrest for DUI in January. He refused a breathalyzer test and was ignoring officer commands in a room at 61 Reisner. Police say they were trying to get his fingerprints on a warrant so they could properly document a blood draw. Officer Jorge Roman says that's when Falstech became combative. Roman says Falstech ended up on the ground, still handcuffed to the bench. Roman was trying to subdue him when he says Lindley kicked Falstech in the face. Falstech says he was on his knees and defenseless, describing the kick as a stomping motion. I got kicked in the mouth, and that's where the blood came out. He testified, y'all's officers think they can treat anybody any way they want. The alleged assault was reported not by Falstech, but by the other officer who was arresting him. Falstech was convicted and served 75 days in jail. That's this week's police accountability report brought to you by copblock.org.
I hope you'll take a moment to consider just what it is that you are being forced to pay for with your taxation and speak out against the violence and the corruption. Until next week, stay safe and remember that badges don't grant extra rights. When you're in our county and you want to drive, just remember to go 55. On this wonderful Monday night, September 30th, 7.38 p.m., there is a slowdown, 50 miles per hour at 78 westbound at Center City Parkway. That about does it for the traffic here in the North County, San Diego area, where you can pick up KKSM AM 1320. And the weather outside in San Marcos is 71 degrees, broadcasting live from KKSM for KKSM and LRN.FM. That has been your news. So let's get to a few other headlines, um, interesting ones. Um, the FBI calls basically half of the American population potential terrorists. So there is this new poll showing that at least 40% of Americans question the official story of September 11th. Uh, not that it, not kooky ones that like it didn't happen or anything, but at least that the government story is certainly just as much as a conspiracy theory as anything else. So this Department of Justice memo instructs local police under a program named Communities Against Terrorism to consider anyone who, quote, harbors conspiracy theories about 9-11, end quote, to be a potential terrorist. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't care what you believe. As long as you're not violent, this is friggin' America, and you're supposed to be able to say what you want to say. Dissent, political dissent, is the highest form of patriotism, and this is a form of pre-crime policing. This is thought crime straight out of 19. 84, and it, it, it is saying that just because you uh, have a certain belief, that automakes, automatically makes you prone towards a crime. No, maybe you actually have to prove that you have violent tendencies, and that would be separate from your beliefs, because you could be a 9-11 skeptic and not be, you know, whatever. Uh, it has nothing to do with your beliefs. Violent action is violent action. Let's go after the violence. Don't do this pre-crime policing saying, oh, you think this. Therefore, you're a potential terrorist. That is thought criminality. That is not what this world is supposed to be about, let alone this country. And yet, this is what's happening. It's not just 9-11 people. It's, it's Muslims. And not all Muslims are terrorists. Um, hate, hate, hate to burst the bubble there. Uh, goes after people who consider themselves libertarians, tea partiers, Occupy Wall Street people, environmental activists, animal rights activists. It seems like the Department of Homeland Security and all this police state crap is not about terrorism. It's about crushing political dissent. This is about political persecution. And isn't it the sign of a tyranny when you have to use military-grade force to keep yourself in power? I mean... What, where's the outrage? Where's the outrage that people that are in office 
in local governments and your city councils are willing to have a small army to be able to go after people who have a different point of view. What, what, it's just baffling. I mean, how, how else can I dice it? How else can I dice it other than a tyranny? I mean, we could try to, you know, rationalize it, break it down, you know, go nitpick. But at the end of the day, it's political persecution using military-grade force, you know, the paramilitarization of our local police departments. This is what it's going to be used for. And I've been saying this for, you know, months upon months, weeks upon weeks, uh, maybe even going back to last year even, um, saying that this is what it's going to be used for. And now it's coming to fruition with this memo. I'm no longer a theorist. This is fact now. And it's it's so maybe I don't agree with 9/11 skeptics, even though I had Richard Gage of Architects and Engineers for 9/11 Truth on my radio show. Even though I myself, honestly, I don't believe what the government has to say in regards to their story of September 11th. They happen to leave out Building Seven. They happen to leave out uh, Israeli activity. And, and the van that tried to have explosives with the George Washington Bridge. Um, I played that Immortal Technique song the other day. I had to edit out all the curse words, so when I made the clean mix of it, guess what I added on the end of that song? I added the actual news reports from the CBS local affiliate in New York talking about the van with the explosives on the George Washington Bridge. You think that should be a part of the 9-11 Commission report? But they're going to consider me a potential terrorist, even though I'm a libertarian and my core of my philosophy is non-aggression. I do not think I have the right to initiate force on other people. A philosophy of non-violence. Yeah, a domestic terrorist. Obviously, political persecution is the goal. They can call you a terrorist, doesn't make it so. You can paint a turd gold, it's still a turd. Not to say that I'm a turd, but the same deal. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying to say that people are terrorists when they're not. And who's going to believe them? You know, a lot of people, unfortunately, are sheep. And they're going to believe, they're going to they're gonna see somebody like me and maybe uh, dial an anonymous tip. And all of a sudden, I'm in Guantanamo for no goddamn reason whatsoever, other than some paranoid person was buying all this scaremongering propaganda from the FBI, from the DHS, uh, from... From the from whatever uh, propaganda from the DOJ uh, saying that people who question 9/11 are potential terrorists, and honestly, I, I'm not a kook when it comes to you know this issue. I don't like to go down the theoretical route. I'll leave that to maybe you know like the Alex Jones. I like to look at what's actually provable. Like for example, playing the actual newsreel of the people from the CBS local affiliate talking about the bombs on the George Washington Bridge. A 9-11. That's real. That ain't theory. I'm sorry to put that. So may maybe that won't put me in the domestic terrorist category because it says conspiracy theories. That's not a theory, so I'm not theorizing about anything. So maybe I'm not a potential domestic terrorist. But there is this actually this never-before-released footage of New York City on 9-11. It's circulating the Internet. So um, it, it was basically uh, you know showing all the all the disaster and everything like that, and, you know, the hor the horrible nature of that day. But got, the guy was uh, capturing the emotions of, uh, of New York City civilians. You know, just being there, having just witnessed 
There are some civilians already saying, you know, they're already calling it an, an inside job. Uh, civilians that were openly talking about the reports of the, the bombs on the George Washington Bridge and the, that the suspects were being arrested for it. And those suspects later turned out to be Israeli Mossad. Uh, and also open discussion from those civilians, uh, you know, some about Building 7, you know, that it came down or whatever. I don't think there was footage of it coming down in that particular video. But, you know, it's just, it's just a good way to get what the civilians were thinking on that day. Uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, grim, very grim images of, you know, soot-covered streets and the general horror of the day. Um, and again, uh, in other news, uh, the USDA is, approves the releasing of GMO trees into the environment within two years. Now that's going to be the, the air that you breathe comes out of that. I mean, what's genetic engineering going to be doing to the photosynthesis process creating oxygen? Is it going to create poison in the air? I, I, you know, that violates other people's property rights. I think it's time for you know, property rights people to take a stand against GMOs. Messing with the biosphere affects all our property rights, our body rights to maintain our own health, to not have some weird thing, uh, you know, uh, affecting the environment, you know. Uh, and, and you know what? GMO technology is totally subsidized by the government. If, if there was no subsidization of Monsanto or control, you know, again, the USDA is approving this. Who controls the USDA? A lot of Monsanto lobbyists. Uh, again, there's a, this corporate government, you know, it's basically fascism, and it's going to violate all our rights by messing with the biosphere and bioengineering, uh, you know, messing up the gene pool for trees down the generation. Who knows uh, which uh, are going to survive? We, uh, you know, less GMOs, better. We got to, you know, do away with this messing of our biosphere. And these guys are getting our tax dollars to do it. And uh, in other news, uh, Breaking Bad's. I don't know if I don't know if anybody saw the uh, the finale, but spoiler alert: drug cartels and TV shows and movies about them wouldn't exist if drugs were legal. Now, I hate to break that to people, but and that was reiterated by the cast of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad's Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. They both support the legalization of drugs to defund the cartels and reduce the violence. But hey, I think I think watching Breaking Bad, I, I watched one of the last episodes, you know, horrible, like the, the they execute the girl right in her front porch. Um, yeah, I imagine a world where meth is legal and there are no cartels to shoot people and there are none of this. Um, in other news, uh, Ohio Governor John Kasich, Republican, wants to kick the Libertarian Party off the ballot with SB 193. Get this, the Re-Election Protection Act. Now, if politicians weren't so blatant about the fact that they want to protect their incumbency, whether with gerrymandering of districts, um, laws against third parties... They're blatant. They usually uh, title things weirdly, like "Oh, the Free Flow of Information Act" or "Affordable Care Act," um, which is the opposite of what they actually do. But I think this time they're actually aptly titling titling uh, SB one ninety three in Ohio. That's the Re-Election Protection Act. Going back to how you know they want to use police militarization to crack down on like Occupy and. Tea partiers and people who have independent thoughts, people who question 
9-11. You know, say what you want about people that question 9-11. They have a right to believe whatever they want as long as they don't act on violence. So should the government preemptively attack those people? Again, that is just another tool, a violent tool, to keep politicians in power. This is uh, not as much of an overt thing as using the militarized police to go after people that hold certain beliefs. This is just saying, oh, uh, you know, the voting system's already worthless. Uh, let's make it even less by actually kicking off people that might actually make a difference, like the libertarians. Uh, so SB 193, the Re-Election Protection Act, if you live in Ohio, do what you can. Um, yeah, do what you can. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible, evil thing. Um, and you know, when I was cam canvassing for Gary Johnson, all these like Republicans, mainly kind of older people were like, Oh, don't you know that, uh, you're, you're just going to get Obama reelected and, and he's gonna, not going to have free elections anymore. He's going to be a dictator for life and have no more elections. All right. So Obama is the end of free elections. So I shouldn't vote for Gary Johnson, but Republican governor, John Kasich, the end of free elections in Ohio that's okay because he's a Republican. Romney and the GOP suing to get Gary Johnson off the ballot in several states in 2012. That's okay because, you know, Republicans are totally for free and open elections, you know, except when their guy's threatened by, uh, you know, somebody like Gary Johnson. Then, then it's okay to take him off the ballot. That's okay. Uh, but I shouldn't have voted for Gary Johnson because he would have knocked he would have gotten Obama reelected and Obama's the end of free elections as we know it right right and there the Republican governor is introducing a re-election protection act in Ohio that would kick the libertarian party at the ballot yeah republicans support freedom and free elections yeah um i'm sure they do it's a mess in other news the Monsanto protection act actually expires today hopefully it doesn't get renewed the USDA approved a pesticide that is actually more dangerous than Monsanto's Roundup, Bayer Corporation's IFT, classified as a human carcinogen. And they're going to put it on your food. Additionally, in national news, $67 million goes missing from Obamacare Implementation Fund. Interesting. And... Jesse Ventura is actually still considering a presidential run with Howard Stern. So we'll get to the international news in the next hour. My guest in the next hour is John Beza, former NYPD uh, officer, and he's also part of law enforcement against prohibition. He thinks that the drug war should be over. You know, their slogan is cops say legalize drugs. Ask me why. So he's going to tell you why he thinks as a New York City police officer, why drugs should be legal but i want to play a few songs before we get to that this is overture to a holiday in berlin by frank zappa and then after that it's anthem by rush you're listening to free thought radio right here on kksm the radio revolution it's am 1320 on cox cable channel 957 as well as podcasting on lrn.fm the liberty radio network freethoughtmedia.org
we're from the government and we're gonna solve all your problems. Do you know what your problem is? Sometimes people make the wrong choices, but we're gonna help them make the right choices with guns. Hey, you're not running your business right. You're not paying people enough money. You're not hiring the right people. You keep firing the wrong people. Well, do it different. Do it different now! They got two boys kissing on the TV. We can't have that. We can't have boys kissing boys and girls kissing girls. Stop it! Stop it now! You're not doing religion right. You're worshiping all wrong and believing all wrong and wearing the wrong symbols. Well, fix it. Fix it now, damn it. Are you interested in peaceful solutions to LGBT issues? Listen to Flaming Freedom on the Liberty Radio Network every Tuesday and Saturday night from 10 p.m. to midnight. Or download any show for free from flamingfreedom.com. Free Talk Live. Well, I'm a working police officer. I'm actually on duty in a small town in Central Texas. I've been doing this job 10 years. 99% of what you guys talk about is dead on. We got guys getting into this profession just to wear a badge and play God. Mm. It's getting worse and worse. There used to be a couple of decent guys that I worked with. Both of them have quit. Why did they quit? Well, it's because of the BS. We can't help the people that actually need help, which is what you get into this job to do if you're, if you're a good person. It's interesting that whenever honest cops call in like you, we get get the same story, that the corruption rises through the ranks, that the good guys, the guys like you that got in to make a difference and actually help people and catch the real bad guys, the guys like you end up getting frustrated by the system, frustrated by the corruption and the bureaucracy, and they end up quitting, which of course means that more bad guys can move in and move up through the ranks. Is anything inaccurate about that? No, sir. That's my point entirely. Free Talk Live, seven nights a week from 7 to 10 Eastern, live on the Liberty Radio Network at LRN.FM. The technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and not of KKSM, Palomar College, its staff, the board of directors, or station management. You're listening to KKSM, Palomar College Radio. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Yo, give me something to dance to. KKSN, Oceanside, AM 1320, The Radio Revolution. Welcome back to the show, freethoughtmedia.org. So tomorrow in California, you should get pretty excited about this. If you're a registered voter in California, you can sign officially the ballot petition forms to get the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative on the ballot for the November 2014 general election to legalize cannabis and industrialize hemp in the state of California. 
Now, the Secretary of State came out with a report on the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative saying that it would save a couple hundred million dollars in police enforcement. I bet it's more. And then (laughs) not only that, the tax revenue generated, and it's not like an overly taxed bill. It just applies the same business taxes that any other business applies to or you know, maybe taxes from the jobs or sales taxes, whatever. Uh, there's no taxes on medicine. There's a little bit of maybe a, a, a extra tax on the recreational side of things. But that also equates to a couple hundred million dollars. So you add at least half a billion dollars saved from the prison industrial complex, from all the law enforcement costs and gain through economic activity, and not just any economic activity, because we have a house of cards economy thanks to the Federal Reserve, this consumption-based economy with no production to back it up. Imagine if we actually produce the raw materials to make some of the things we actually consume out of hemp, like clothing, paper, plastic, food, you go down the list, it would actually fortify the economy with real production where it's lacking thanks to this Federal Reserve Ponzi scheme creating a consumption-only economy where we export our our production to sl- slave labor in China and in other countries. Maybe uh, to create jobs here at home and maybe so we could stop enslaving people in other countries to make our cheap goods for us. Maybe we can make it here with hemp. Just think about it. It's not just any kind of economic activity. It's fortifying economic activity production. And so forget about the monetary aspect. What about the societal aspect about the racism of the war on drugs, racial inequality in the prisons, um, you know, civil liberties abuses, shredding of the Constitution and due process rights, the cartels that arise because of drug prohibition. Um on and on and on and my next guest is going to talk about that societal cost because he was in the uh, New York Police Department in in the drug unit and he's going to not only talk about his experiences um, you know dealing with those types of things um, but he's also going to talk about New York Police Department's stop and frisk policy which also has uh, racial elements so he's a cop against prohibition joining me now is John Beza of law enforcement against prohibition and he's retired uh, detective from the NYPD John welcome to the program thank you thank you for having me no problem so uh, give us a history of your career in law enforcement in the NYPD and how did your experiences in that shape your view of the war on drugs and, and what precisely that view is. Okay, I'll try to make it as brief as possible. I uh, started out working at Sing Sing Prison as a correction officer when I was 18. I spent two and a half years there. Then I went and I joined the NYPD, which many of my family members had been involved in, lieutenants and captains, police officers. And um, I was on patrol in the 32nd Precinct, which is in Harlem, uh, very Violent community. Uh, we had about in one less than one square mile. We had about sixty homicides, uh, probably ninety nine percent drug related. Uh, then I transferred to the narcotics division, uh, where I worked in the same neighborhoods, and I was an undercover officer. 
And undercover in New York meant that you had no shield badge or ID card, and your gun was not an issue, uh, the regular issue gun. You would receive something like a, you know, something that uh, they uh, got from criminals when they were alleged criminals when they arrested them. So uh, they would issue those to us, and we would be real undercover and never wear a uniform at all. For three years, I didn't. And then after that, I went to the Manhattan Special Victim Squad, and I spent the rest of my career there. That People know that as Special Victims Unit, but it's the Manhattan Special Victim Squad where I investigate sex crimes, rapes, child abuse, and sexual homicides, so forth. Um, and let me just go into what how it shaped my feelings. Uh, there was particularly one incident that changed my entire life, and that was when um, I was making a buy for about $16,000 worth of heroin. Uh, I had... It was an operation, ongoing operation. Um, I was uh, led into uh, a tenement in uh, Harlem. And uh, when I got to the top uh, floor, and uh, the to make it you know, the short, the story short and sweet, the, uh, the guy who was going to sell me the drugs turned around and put a, a 9mm pistol to my head. And I was unarmed because... I'll explain it real quick. When you go in armed, they pat you down. So I didn't want them to have my weapon at work. Anyway, I um, I was put up against the wall, and I I did give them the money, the city's money. You know, I had some of it. Some of it I actually had stuffed in my socks that I didn't give them. But I gave him the money, and then he wanted to shoot me, and he told me to turn around, turn around. Uh, he I had already seen him, so it wasn't about his face or ID, but he uh, wanted to shoot me, and I, in my gut, I knew that he wanted me to turn around. He couldn't shoot me in the face. Um, there was a little bit of a struggle, like kind of pushing and tugging. He had the gun. I was like, uh, I, I thought he might shoot me, but he ran down the stairs finally. Uh, when I got outside, my field was where to be found. It was fact that they couldn't hear i had a recording device you know the old beepers and it was a recording device and they never really worked but anyway finally uh, came assisted me they found the guy he had spent by the time they found him the, that same day he had spent like out of uh, ten thousand bucks he had spent like almost all of it bought a car and so forth anyway long story short they they, they apprehended him and i uh I actually, I was almost killed in the line of duty four times. That time, that particular moment, I knew that if I had turned around, uh, he was going to shoot me in the back of the head because that's just something that uh, uh, a lot of people can't shoot somebody in the face. So, um, and he did admit later that he was going to, uh, you know, he called me the white boy, and he was going to shoot me. And uh, you know, uh, he had no idea until later on that I was a police officer. So. Um, and I saw the only reason was I saw him in, in a courtroom. So uh, that, that, that after that, I realized that somebody to, for me to lose my wife and my children to lose their father, and for anybody to lose their liberty or a substance that they're putting in their body you know, because they want to, and they're not hurting anybody else. Uh, I just realized that this is ridiculous and I applied it to every other part of my life and I, I was uh, headed for a transfer to the Drug Enforcement Desk Force working with the DEA because I was a big DEA type unit and I turned them and I asked to be sent to the Manhattan Special Victim Squad, Squad, Squad to get as far away from narcotics as I could. It was the best move I ever made and I spent my happiest years there. So there is my story. Definitely, I... 
What was your experience as an officer with the New York City policy of stop and frisk? And if you thought the practice violated the officer's oath to the Constitution and if the policy had racial inequalities? I worked in the precinct, in the 32nd precinct in Harlem, less than one square mile. It was probably about 99.8% black. It just that's the way it was. It was. I don't believe I ever saw a white person that lived there at that time. Um, so, you know, stop somebody, you would end up, even if it was a legitimate stop, you would stop a black person. Overall, you know, the policy, and yeah, it, there's definitely a, a discriminatory process, you know, uh, Hispanics and blacks get stopped frequently, and, um, you know, there is, you have to, each stop has its own, uh, you know, uh, each level up to probable cause to stop somebody. And when I was on the job, um, you got to remember I retired in 2000. When I was on the job, these forms start question at first, UF-250s, they're called. And you would rarely fill them out. People would be just at random thrown up against the wall of the pocket searched and, you know, that type of thing. And that, it wasn't real police work. It was drug work. But that's what happened. And now I guess, you know, they're pushing them to fill out forms so they can prove that they're doing work, but uh, when in fact a minuscule amount of guns and, and drugs are found this way. So uh, I, I'm not a big fan of stop question and frisk. I do think that there's probably a time where, you know, if you see somebody in a dark alley and he's trying to, it looks like you might be breaking into somebody's apartment or, you know, I think you have, you can have, you can come to the reasonable suspicion and so forth. But uh, the way it's used, no, it's, it's used as a masked, weapon to stop people and you know I mean, pretty soon what are they going to do stop everybody it looks like they're going to have this x-ray machine that's going to look for guns on people and it's a, it's an invasion of privacy it's just mm-hmm. it's not not good at all I don't like it why do you think uh, New York City and the police department is uh, dancing around the issue of stop and frisk even after I think it was ruled to be unconstitutional yeah, I, they're dancing around it because they're worried about their crime rate, um, and they're worried about the crime rate going up, and they, they think that this is stopping the crime. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree with that. I think there are other things that were put into place that they should realize, and they're not realizing, that they put into place, which is accountability, uh, that actually did uh, reduce crime. And, and I do agree that they did reduce crime. Uh, I just don't believe that uh, uh, this is the way to do it. These mass stops. I mean, I think it's. I mean, we, it's almost like we're living in Nazi Germany, and I, I hate to use that term, but that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, do Do you think the the racial element of stop and frisk reflects the nationwide phenomena on the percentage uh, racial percentages in in the national incarceration rates? Uh. I don't, I, you know, I haven't studied the exact amount, but I, I, I'm, I'm sure it probably does. I mean, it's going to, it's going to affect Hispanics and minorities more. It always will. Um, and that's, of course, our drug sentencing laws, you know, affect uh, the minority communities much more. Um, and that's obviously because of this war on drugs that we have. And it's just, it's just, it's disparate, you know. Talk a bit about um, how, how your views on the war on drugs um, via your experiences in law enforcement, how that led you to, to discover law enforcement against prohibition and, and become one of their speakers. Well, I, uh, after I had retired, 
um, uh, I started to just, uh, I, I, I don't know how it was. I think I read a book on liberty and the liberty movement, and uh, I became involved in uh, a uh, the 2008 presidential campaign. Uh, we don't have to say candidates if we don't want to, but I became involved uh, on the grassroots level with somebody who I felt I agreed with completely, especially on the drug war. And I, um, I think I know I, who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I think you probably do. And I was uh, director of security for that person uh, awesome. for 16 months. But uh, anyway, the point being is that I, uh, I felt very strongly about somebody being able to put whatever they want in their body as long as they don't hurt anybody. I mean, people, alcohol is, is more dangerous than probably any other drug. And people use that casually. And, and, and most people can use it without, uh, you know, aggressing against somebody else. But certainly, uh, if you talk about marijuana, I would, as a police officer, I'd rather go on a call where people are smoking marijuana than drinking alcohol because alcohol tends to, you know, uh, bring out the fight in people. Yeah, definitely. For those just joining, I'm speaking with John Beza. He is a uh, retired detective from the New York Police Department and now is the speaker at Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. So many states are protecting the medical use of cannabis within state law since 1996 and actually to have fully legalized it for recreational use last year. Do you think the recent memo by Eric Holder saying that they will soon leave states alone is, a, is sort of a soft admission of defeat in, direct, in the direction of the Tenth Amendment on just this cannabis issue alone? Because I do think they want federal supremacy in most other yeah. areas. Yeah, and I'll address that if you'd like. But yes, yes, it's, it's, it's a great... Um, a great blow to them and to the narco warriors. It is. It is. It shows that the people, through nullification, we don't have to get into the whole thing, but nullifying a uh, you know a federal law and making their own laws. States are sovereign states. They make their own laws, and um, I think it's it's a fantastic thing because what happens is if more states do it with other even other uh, anti liberty activities, and I'm not into. I know your show is not into this, but something like Real ID and so forth. Oh, yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. If we have 37 states, I think, now that don't participate in Real ID, at some point it won't even be violent. The federal government will just say, I'm not, we're not going to do it. And, you know, in, in my personal opinion, and I'm not speaking for a leap here, but um, the states have their own sovereignty. They can have their own constitution. Um, and they can make whatever laws they want and the people have to you know challenge it if it's not fair if it's not right but uh, the federal government uh, is really should stay out of the state's business and and i would argue as well that if they did go in there that would be a violation uh of the the tenth amendment uh if they went in and, and tried to which which they have done in california and tried to attack these uh uh state laws i mean uh, the states are actually were meant to be more powerful than our mm-hmm. alleged limited government. Exactly. Um, I, I'm definitely very, very much excited about this. Not, not so much that I have faith in them, and, and I'll explain that in a second. But again, it's the you know the admission that eventually it's going to be 50 dominoes that fall, and they're not going to be able to do anything about it. For me, my concern is that just the timing of the memo in relation to the war in Syria. I mean, uh, Democrats have already been giving Obama slack for all the new wars that he started. And they have just started. They have just started to come around thanks to this whole Syria debacle, um, and, and see that it's kind of like George Bush all over again. But I'm I'm concerned that the, the timing of this may try and soften some of those 
who maybe kind of like on the anti-war left, but not radical not kind of like radical in principle, like uh, most that have stuck around during this whole time have, um, preventing them from becoming outspoken again. Um, g- given that I, I have not really seen, you know, the DEA budget cuts that the executive branch could administratively pursue via just, you know, the stoppage of enforcement. Um, uh, do, you, do you think that the, the, my concerns over the timing of this is um, going to be the same as like, you know, the Ogden memo where they, they had it and we had, you know, a little bit of a while to say, oh, this is, seems like they're actually doing this, but then all the crackdowns happened. Um, do you think that, that it's just uh, my concerns are, are valid? Yeah, I think your concerns are valid. I mean, you know, Syria, the issue with Syria now, I won't go into that to discuss with you, but sure. I, I, I will say that, it, you know, it, it, it takes over from other issues and it takes, I don't know if it's going to slow it down at all. I do know that we have uh, at, at least a senator or so that is involved in uh you know, that has talked about the disparate, uh, you know, for narcotics investigation, uh, narcotics uh, sentencing. So we do have uh, we do have people up there, very few, but we do have people up there that are pushing for this. And uh, we, we, I think some of those will continue to do that no matter what happens with Syria. Sometimes those events will push off other events and you know but hope this one will come back on the on the target because when when you nullify or or when you use the 10th amendment to your advantage as a state it it will spread and i'm i'm very i'm very positive about that exactly and i i definitely do see the the uh, the silver lining in that um unfortunately u.s attorneys such as northern california's melinda haig have stated that they will continue crackdowns despite the memo um again is that kind of like just like the ogden memo where they, they, uh, the, especially the U.S. attorneys that Obama has, you know, direct control over. Um, they're, they're just, just flat out disobeying it. Yeah, well, people, you know, they'll think that. Um, obviously, they haven't read any history. They haven't read the Principles of '98 by um, Jefferson and Madison. The, you know, the uh, Virginia and Kentucky resolutions. Basically, that said that you know, if there is an unconstitutional. Uh, law. I mean, uh, the supremacy clause. Let me just start this way. The su- people will say, "Well, the supremacy clause. It's supreme. The 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 the, go- the kind of the government, the federal government, can do whatever they want." Well, first of all, just one thing to tell you is that, and I'm sure you know this, is that there is nothing in the Constitution that uh, makes drugs illegal. Mm-hmm. You can't find it. You can't point it out. I mean, they can make it up under the Commerce Clause or something, but there is nothing like that. So the states have the power and the ability to make their own laws. And uh, when the federal government goes in and reaches uh, and overreaches, it's uh, it's it's uh, they invade on the sovereignty of the state and the will of the people. And that's how we started out. The states were supposed to be like little countries, you know, and uh, now the federal government has these big police agencies. And I, I would go as far as to say that the DEA is unconstitutional and they shouldn't even have be around. Uh, they shouldn't be there. And if you're going to ask me more, I would say the FBI and many other alphabet uh, agencies. Mm-hmm shouldn't be, uh, are, are actually unconstitutional. Now, we won't go into the details of that because it would take a, another two shows, but <laughs> I, do, I do believe that those agencies are unconstitutional. I believe that uh, federal drug laws are unconstitutional. Now, the state can make their own laws, uh, but at least on a local level, we could fight them if they make uh, a law that uh, we don't like. But most state constitutions don't ban uh, illicit drugs either. Now, you have codes that do, but if you you follow the constitution, um, you you would have to uh, you would have to amend it or you know your state constitution. So anyway, the bottom line is I believe that this is a very good indicator 
of what's going to happen. I think what happens is Eric Holder and whoever else will hold his position will see that it takes too much money, too much time to go ahead and uh, fight these states, whether it's two states or 37 states. That's that might be our answer to legalizing drugs and especially at this point, marijuana, medical marijuana. I mean, it's just uh, we can do that. I'm, I'm very uh, po positive about that. Definitely, and, and and federal supremacy only applies during in the limited powers that they have under the Constitution, Article One, right. Section Eight, not anything else. Yes, if you look at the supremacy clause, it's in, in, it says supreme law of the land in while in pursuance thereof of the Constitution. Those words are very important. That means that it has to be within the Constitution, something that they can do. So uh, this is certainly not. If anybody could find me a, a uh, portion of the Constitution, I've, I've read it hundreds of times, if you could show me where it says drugs are uh, illegal. Um, and look at, look at what we had to do with prohibition. They obviously knew they had to make an amendment. Uh, not that it was right, but they had to make an amendment to the Constitution. And of course, what ha look what happened there with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And the same, th but the, the same thing here with drugs. They, didn't, they figured they didn't do that, and they just used, um, they just took away the power of the people and representatives and just made laws. And that's what presidents do nowadays. They just write laws. And that's, that is a violation of separation of powers. And, and bottom line is it affects this, this alleged drug war. We, we, we do need to end this, you know, obviously. Definitely. I was actually going to try to find a constitution that I have that's actually signed by, by fellow elite member Gary Johnson. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I have my copy right here. Awesome. I always keep it here. And uh, mine is signed by somebody else, but also <laughs> also in the, the liberty movement. But uh, awesome. the, the constitution, and we also remember also, too, we pay attention to our state constitutions mm -hmm. because we are a government of federalism, which means that the Bill of Rights, the first eight of the Bill of Rights were only supposed to apply to the federal government. And the states were supposed to have more power. Um, that's why the preamble doesn't say uh, Massachusetts shall make no law. It says, you know, it's... It, it doesn't say, uh, you know, New Jersey or Massachusetts shall make no law. And if you look at the preamble, real quick, just tell people, if you look at the preamble to the Bill of Rights, the word it's shows up twice in there, and it's refers to the federal government. But we've turned around, we've had the 14th Amendment, we have incorporation, and people might think that's good, even liberty people might think that's good, but what it ends up doing is allows the federal government and the judiciary to reach in to our courts, our local state, our you know, our own little country, our courts, and change things around. And, you know, I don't, I don't like that. I don't think that's, uh, I don't want a, a big nanny state like that. Um, federalism, which is uh, a small, limited government with the states being pow powerful, that was the founder's design. Uh, so that's, that's what I believe in. Definitely. So, yeah, I, I do definitely uh, think that, you know, I, I, I would give more credit to we the people. Uh, in, in this in this uh, debate, that just Eric Holder and President Obama are really just succumbing to the inevitable, which would just be fifty dominoes falling. So they're they're just doing this ahead of time. Maybe the timing with Syria is a little uh, odd, but still, it, it, they're simply admitting defeat for an idea that no army can stop. What do you make about the future of drug policy reform? Well, I love that comment that you just made, <laughs> and uh, I, I would say, what do I see for the future? I see, I actually see a bright future. I mean, I know it's going to take time. But this, these things in Washington, the, the, the legalization of Washington and Colorado, um, they're just, it's just, it's just, it's dominoes in a good way because I think the domino effect is hopefully all the states will start falling that way and we can start off with marijuana. We can talk about, I mean, I, I believe in full legalization, but uh, sometimes when you talk to people talking about marijuana, it's a little easier.
material to get them involved in the, the movement. And, um, and also, I, I always like to talk about the uh, uh, disparate effect it has, uh, these laws, on uh, minorities uh, and, and, you know, Hispanics, blacks. Uh, it's very bad. I mean, they're they're in jail. They get a sentence higher, and it's like the crack cocaine thing. You get a sentence. It's the same substance, but you're getting a higher sentence for crack cocaine. But where is that sold? It's sold usually in the in the, the what we call ghettos, and uh, you know, uh, typically black and Hispanics will live in those ghettos. But I mean, not always. I you know, obviously whites too, but it's it's a significant portion of uh, minorities get placed into jail for non violent offenses. And we don't have time for that. You know what? We don't have time. I worked in a special victim squad with child abuse and rapes. We had 22 detectives. Manhattan North Narcotics, that just covered the north of Manhattan, had probably 500 detectives. And I sat there with a caseload of 50 to 100 cases and I had to figure out which one I got to do first, the baby who's burned with an iron or a woman who's, who's raped with a bottle. Excuse the, the horrificness of it. But... Um, that's that's what you're talking about here. You're talking about, uh, and uh, you know what? One of my favorite quotes uh, came from a te- television show, uh, HBO's The Wire, is basically, uh, "This drug war, uh, this ain't real policing." And it, it was stated there, and it was that's one of the the greatest lines I've heard. Uh, not a big TV fan, but The Wire is actually very uh, very realistic. So definitely, it definitely does waste police resources. I learned that. Uh, when uh, marijuana testing goes to the lab, it delays rape kits for up to a year. Yeah, I mean, right, that, exactly. Those are the things. And when, you know, I, I look at it and I say, why are we even testing this marijuana? And, you know, even when I was an undercover, the undercover cops, uh, don't get me wrong, they were drug warriors, and I was too at the time, but we even, we would have every every week we would have to go out on a set we call it a set but a street and purchase marijuana and i have i must tell you that we never purchased marijuana we refused to do it um we didn't really say it that way but we refused to do it we just come back to the car and hey nobody's out there selling just uh, almost a matter of cop principle that you just don't do that but i mean that's that's in the ghetto areas but uh, throughout the united states you see even in my local neighborhood here they bring out the swat team uh to to you know raid a guy's house who's grown plants in this house i mean it's, it's absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. what, what do you make of the militarization of local police forces and city councils do have that power like my city council voted on homeland security grants yeah, I, I I I believe that we need to get you know we need to get rid of that we need to get rid of that uh, that it's oppressive, but the, the militarization of police. If you, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not, not I'm not uh, selling the book for the guy because I don't you know I don't know it. I did a review, but same as Radley Balco, and he wrote the yes. book. Uh, I think it's Rise of the Military uh, Militarization of Police, whatever. Rise of the I, Warrior Cop. Rise of the Warrior Cop. Sorry, yes, I'm sorry. Bradley, if you're listening, but, uh, I, I I don't know him personally. I just know him through my review, and I read the book, and uh, it, uh, it it goes to show you. I, I think we have different. What we have too is a problem with policing. People now want to be a soldier police. They want to be military. They want to shoot with rifles and so forth. They don't want to use their mouth. And uh, even back when I was a cop, at least there were very there were some very good cops that didn't want to get in fights every day. Didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to be a SWAT team. We used to do, when I was in special victims, we used to arrest rapists by going with your partner, knocking on the door and saying, listen, there's a complaint against made against you. Would you like to talk about it and come back to the precinct and do things the proper way? Um, but 
99.9%, they would do it. They would come with you. You know, no need for a SWAT team to come in. And innocent people are being killed. We're going, they're going into wrong, the wrong houses. Uh, the other day I saw down here, I think it was in Florida, a 107 year old man was, uh, you know, was shot during a, a, a raid and, uh, you know, uh, Amish, uh, people who made raw milk. They brought SWAT teams in on the Amish. I mean, it, it, it borders the, the ridiculous, and it's yeah. scary. It's scary. Exactly. It, it definitely scares me as well. Um, for those just joining, I'm speaking with John Beza. He is a former uh, detective in the NYPD and now speaks at Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Do you, wanna, do you have any final words and, and uh, give us a place where we could find Law Enforcement Against Prohibition online? Okay, uh, well, let me just tell you where to find it online. You can go to www.leap.cc, um, .com, uh, and you can look it up, Google it. Um, just Google Leap Law Enforcement, write Law Enforcement Against Prohibition in Google, and it'll come up. Um, that's leap.cc, um, and that's the place to go to take take a look at what's going on and you can keep updated on stuff like that um but as a fi final thoughts my final thoughts are i believe that the we we are, we should be optimistic it's tough to be sometimes uh, when we are we feel like this and we have these views we have to be optimistic um as you te as you said uh, no army can challenge a, an idea that who that you know whose time has come and i do like that quote that is true and uh, the time has come and we're going to start seeing the dominoes fall and you know if anybody out there remember you know stand we need to stand up to the to the feds uh we need to stand up to our own gov state governments and we need to let non-aggressive people uh do what they want to do with their lives and uh, don't fill the jails up because this drug war another quote i like is this drug war this ain't this ain't police work Police work is investigating real crimes against real people, and um, we don't want to waste time doing the drug war because drug uh, in, uh, drug investigations taught me nothing at all about investigations when I went to the sex crime squad. So anyway, I would say uh, be optimistic. Get out there. If you know this and you believe this, you have some sort of a responsibility, I believe, to do something about it, and that's why I speak to people like you and um, you know get try to get the word out there. Definitely. Well, John Beza of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, leap.cc is the website. Thank you again very much for joining the program. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And if you miss any part of the episode, the podcast will be up tomorrow. Just go to your iTunes store page in the search bar, type in free thought, and it has been number one, the number one free thought related keyword search result. Awesome. Thanks to everybody who subscribes and downloads. Uh, but you look for Free Thought AAC, and AAC is just the file format. When I put in the RSS to iTunes, that it was AAC format. Unfortunately, I couldn't change the title. It's kind of confusing, but it's Free Thought AAC on iTunes. Um, you can subscribe there. So I had John Beza of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition in this hour. Second hour, I had Davi Barker of Bitcoin Not Bonds, Muslims for Liberty, and ShinyBadges.com. In the first hour, I had Pasha Roberts, who's the director of the animated feature film Silver Circle. It's about the Federal Reserve. So you will not want to miss the podcast if you miss any part of the episode. Great guests, um, interesting topics, interesting news headlines. 
Um, and let me get to the rest of those news headlines after this song, because this has a lot to do with drug prohibition. This is a song by the band System of a Down, and it's called The Prison Song. And then after that, a bit of an uplifting song, Roses Are Free by the band Ween, uh, to, to uplift, uh, you know, the, the prison industrial complexes imprisoning innocent people, and it's not changing, and it should have changed yesterday. <laughs> yeah, um, so, but I, I, again, no army can stop an idea whose time has come, so we are on the up and up. We just got to wait it out and keep standing tall and no more voting for the lesser of two evils and don't wait for elections to change things. Don't just think that making a vote will make things change, although you should sign the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative um, to legalize cannabis in California, but it's a ballot petition right now, so you'll need to sign the ballot petition plus another, uh, what is it, Six, six or no, seven hundred forty-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine people beside you, <laughs> plus more in just case they disqualify signatures. So seven hundred fifty thousand signatures needed to put marijuana, sorry, cannabis and hemp legalization on the ballot in 2014. Uh, in addition to uh, there's some medical marijuana stuff um, across the state and cities and stuff like that, um, but but the legalization wouldn't interfere with medical marijuana and it, and it would also do hemp. So cchi2014.org, that's cchi2014.org if you want to get involved in the legalization movement. Go to cchi2014.org and you'll be able to find your county ballot petition leader. It'll be like a magazine thing. It's not about them, you know, the... Uh, um, doing, they want, they want you to be a part of this grassroots effort. They're just holding the petitions. They want you to take it because it has 10 slots. You sign it, get ten, nine friends, get another petition, get 10 more people, go door to door, get your name. As long as they're a registered voter in California, they can sign the ballot petition to put the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative on the ballot in 2014. So get it done. We need it. We need to repeal cannabis prohibition in California through nullification of the 10th Amendment, get the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative on the ballot in 2014. Sign the ballot petition, cchi2014.org. This is the prison song by System of a Down. And after that, Roses Are Free by Ween here on KKSM, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network. Freethoughtmedia.org.
just fill your prisons, you don't even flinch. All our taxes paying for your wars against the new non-rich. Minor drug offenders, fill your prisons, you don't even flinch. All our taxes paying for your wars against the new non-rich. Yeah. 
And that was Roses Are Free by Ween. And before that, Prison Song by System of a Down. And so I want to talk about a few other headlines that I forgot to get to. Uh, One is in Dallas, Texas. The Dallas County has obtained a uh, unused military vehicle from the Afghan war as part of police militarization efforts. So instead of keeping these vehicles on reserve, they are selling old vehicles to police departments to militarize them. And uh, a lot of it has to do with Homeland Security and Homeland Security's HSI, which is, you know, the CIA cannot operate legally in the United States, so HSI might be that ability to do that without actually being CIA. Such as, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, spying on what they consider domestic terrorists, which, given the vague definition of domestic terrorists, really is for political dissenters. What business do they have doing that? And just because they call them a terrorist, are you going to believe what the government says? Or are you going to think, which is the reality, that they're just trying to protect the status quo, prevent peaceful people from engaging in the civic duty of the marketplace of ideas? In state news, a man shot in L.A. after LAPD deputies mistake phone for a gun. So I'm a big advocate of filming the police. But I think police are being trained to be extra on their toes for no good reason whatsoever. People pull out their phone, they're going to mistake it for a gun. That's not good policing. You should be able to know the difference. And those mistakes shouldn't be made. There are big hooplas made over when cops are shot. But cops are allowed to make those types of accidents when civilians are shot. Good thing this guy who had his phone didn't die. You know, same with the ladies that the people looking for Chris Dorner shot. Uh, you know, wrong car, wrong color of the car, but they opened fire before even asking for their driver's license. One inch in any direction of trajectory of that bullet could have been a fatality, but in this society, this backward society, that's the kind of mistake police officers are allowed to make, and that shouldn't be the case. Um, So in international news, thousands are protesting in Bahrain over the opposition leader arrest. So this is uh, what whistleblower journalist Amber Lyon got fired off CNN for, because CNN was airing pro-Bahraini documentaries across the world, because of the they have the CNN has ties to the U.S. government and the U.S. government has ties to Bahrain via you know so CNN is basically a propagandist of U.S. foreign interests, even though the Bahraini government uses the U.S. foreign aid to crack down on the people, you know human rights abuses. But where is the invasion of Bahrain, right? In other international news, Israel officially allows oil drilling in the disputed Golan Heights area. And they allowed the oil drilling to the American-Israeli company Genie, or short G-N-E, whose shareholders include Fox News' Rupert Murdoch, Halliburton's Dick Cheney, and Jacob Rothschild of the Federal Reserve System. The NSA maps all your social media connections. And Snowden is 
going to be releasing something new regarding the connection of NSA to government-sanctioned assassinations around the world, including U.S. citizens. In international news, the Fukushima company is getting rich while they poison the planet. Banks agree to give 80 billion yen in refinancing loans, a.k.a. bailouts, to TEPCO. In other international news, hundreds of Palestinian students stormed the Palestinian side of the Rafah crossing with Egypt, furious and desperate at being sealed off in the Strip when they have places to study in universities abroad. Uh, that headline via the Al-Auda. Um, I talked about 67 million going missing from the Obamacare Implementation Fund and Monsanto's misgivings and buying off the USDA. And that's not to say that the USDA is innocent. Oh, please shield us from your bribes. No, they're, they're a state. They have the monopoly on violence. They're prone to that corporatism. Um, yeah. Um, they're, they're approving GMO trees and uh, pesticide that's even worse than Monsanto's Roundup. In state news, Siskiyou and Mata counties of California voted to secede from California and create a new state called Jefferson. I hope hemp will be legal in Jefferson. In international news, so this has to do with the uh, attack on, uh, on the Kenya Somalia Mall in Nairobi. That attack can be indeed blamed on U.S. foreign policy. Before I touch on blowback, uh, that being the the cause of it, just anger from drone strikes and interventions, let's just talk about covert funding of radical groups. Now, the, the U.S. government and the CIA have been funding the Mogadishu occupation dating back to the 70s, using the countries of Somalia and others to take on Soviet-controlled Ethiopian governments. That failed to work, and the Ethiopians won a couple times. Even the U.S. and U.N. troops had to withdraw after the mid-90s when George Bush and Bill Clinton's excursions in Somalia proved disastrous, that they were trying to fight against Ethiopia when the Somalian people were even trying to help them out, you know, with the Black Hawk Down or whatever. Now, they had these courts set up that the U.S. actually backed, the Islamic courts that made up the Somali government that sought to fight off Ethiopian invasion, eventually won against the Ethiopians, but not necessarily with U.S. backing. But many of those courts then went under U.S. control in the transitional federal government. Al-Shabaab was created from those courts. Al-Shabaab means the youth. Uh, uh, and so the youth of those courts, it was a rebellion against the courts being owned by the U.S. So the CIA has a major field station in Mogadishu and has maintained detention facilities inside Somalia, imprisoning purported suspects and quote the war on terrorism. The combined AMISOM forces, now consisting of some 17,500 uh, 17, troops, received training and funding from Washington. So basically the CIA and JSOC essentially pay off African warlords in Somalia to arrest average Somali civilians merely suspected of terrorism. They don't even have to be terrorists. Add to that, uh, and that, you know, again, innocent people. Add to that the drone strikes on Somalia and much more. And the U.S. and CIA are fueling what creates the terrorism, if not directly funding in the first place. So those are two aspects. There's the direct funding, just like they created Al-Qaeda. There's the direct funding of the warlords um, that imprison people and the 
the Al Shabaab came out of the rebellion of the U.S. government owning kind of the whatever trans transitional federal government of that region. And so at once they were a part of this whole U.S. CIA debacle, transitional federal government, but then they rebelled. Um, so you have that aspect of just the covert funding. Of, but then you also have the other aspect of how do they get recruitment? Well, blowback, drone strikes, capturing innocent people, killing innocent people uh, in this war on terrorism. If people get arrested or imprisoned or killed that were innocent and that family member still lives that uh, was related to that person that was killed or imprisoned, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to vow vengeance against the country that imprisoned or killed the person, their family member that had nothing to do with terrorism. So it's a recruiting tool for al-Shabaab or al-Qaeda. This mall siege is caused by U.S. intervention. The uh, traffic in the North County San Diego area at this 8.54 p.m. on September 30th has no problems where you can pick up KKSM AM 1320 uh, on your airwaves and the weather is 69 degrees in San Marcos. And next week I have Christina Tobin of Free and Equal Elections, Ernest Hancock of freedomsphoenix.com, and I'm going to air the my guest appearance on the Freedoms Fiends show, which is going to be the day before on October 6th. I'm going on Freedom Fiends, uh, which is an LRN.FM show. Their live show, they're actually starting a new syndicate uh, at KSZL AM, 13, AM 1230, sorry, Barstow, California, we're 1320 there, 1230. But they, they syndicate throughout the nation, but it's Freedom Fiends, F-E-E-N-S.com, and they made the movie Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom. So I'm super excited to be on the Freedom Fiends on October 6th. So the day after that is this live show on October 7th, you know, Mondays 6 to 9. So I'll air that whatever happens on the Freedom Fiends the day before on that week's episode in the third hour. Uh, so I'm super excited for uh, for the next week. Um, but yeah, so freethoughtmedia.org. Keep in touch with the Facebook. Uh, Facebook censors posts, so make sure you hover over the like button, click show and news feed so you can keep up with what's going on and maybe donate some Bitcoin at freethoughtmedia.org. Check out some of the new website. Uh, I, I'm starting to write articles, so I'm going to talk about S987 and the war on journalism in next week's program because a very disturbing piece of legislation, which is from Diane Feinstein, to define what a journalist is. Please call her office and tell her hell to the no. You'll see why when I talk about it. I'll air, well, I'm going to be talking about it on Freedom Fiends, so when I air the Freedom Fiends thing on next week's show, you'll know. So I want to play one song. Uh, I played some of the new Gore Guts uh, earlier, kind of technical death metal or whatever. I want to play uh, maybe some more veteran, older uh, music from that same thing. This one is called Mind Reflections by the band Pestilence. Tune in next week, guys. Well, Monday's 6 to 9. You're listening to KKSM, AM 1320, Oceanside, the Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network.
You're listening to KKSM AM 1320 Oceanside.